the monstrosity and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Phantasm. This is the from Cut Up. What's up, motherfuckers? This is Brian from Vital Remain. This is Lee the Monstrosity. Hey, this is Lord Hey, this is Tom Clark from Horace Hollow Crown. This is Dallas and you're listening to Phantasm Podcast. This is Dr. Ross Sewage from Exhumed and Impaled, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Phantasm. What the fuck is up? And welcome to the Phantasm Podcast. I am Corey Gore Christ. With me, Dr. Motherfucking Vincent West. Hey, hey, What's going on? We're fired up and ready to fucking go. We are ready. Uh, we just... Did an awesome interview with uh, Lee Harrison and Monstrosity. That's coming up for you guys later. Yep. Uh, killer fucking interview. Uh, goes right into the to the meek of uh, of uh, death metal and the history of it. Uh, the guy's a fucking legend. Monstrosity, great shit. Great band. Monstop- Monstrosity's top tier fucking death metal. Definitely essential. Um, if you don't have any of their shit, I don't know why you listen to this podcast, but... You need to start uh, grabbing some of that stuff. Yeah. So. Speaking of which, this is this is Doctor Vincent West. This is a podcast. <laughs> I had to do it. I don't know. Do it. <laughs> uh, this, this is Corey Go Christ, and it's a podcast. Listen, this is fun. Anyway, that was a throwback to an episode that you have already listened to, hopefully with uh, some other friends of ours in uh, Gorgasm. Such uh, a such a killer episode. It was super fun. Those guys were. Just a, uh, just hilarious dudes, man. They they know how to have a good time. So, uh, knocking them out though, kids. We've got uh, Lee from Monstrosity. Yeah, that's that's huge for us. I think huge fans. Um, very personal interview. It's yeah, good. it's it's cool, man. It, very dark, kind of. It, it gets into a lot of the 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 chronology of uh, of of death metal. Really, just just from him talking and sharing his his. Uh, you know, story of the band and and where it's gone from start to finish, and you know where it is now. So, uh, really fucking cool interview uh, we got for you guys coming. But right now, of course, we we, we can't be phantasm without giving you the horror and the death metal. So, uh, Doctor, what what do we have for them today? We have the 1990 Tom Savini Night of the Living Dead, which I love. They came to pay their respects. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Why do you have to be so cruel? What? Show some respect. Now, they're running for their lives. A biologist in Stockton, California, have released reports focusing on the phenomenon, specifically on that trance-like state. Every shelter is becoming a trap. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Don't stop no matter what happens. It's just another dead end. They're coming right for us. George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Actually, uh, and the doctor brought this to my attention, this is the first zombie film we've done. Yeah. And he, I'm real picky. I do enjoy zombie films. I'm just real picky about them. 
I mean, I, I was more into zombies growing up when it was newer to me. Now that it's kind of uh, it's mainstream, it's oversaturated. You know, this movie's not though. No, no one else the fuck. Your favorite one, which I'm not going to mention right now, that we will be doing on a later episode. That is definitely. As popular as it is, it's still not oversaturated. It's great. Return of Living Dead. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you ask any average uh, Walking Dead fan or... They don't know what this is. Anybody that's got a, a magnet sticker on the back of their car that says, I heart zombies or what, what the fuck ever, or a zombie killing permit or some they shit on their is. car, you ask them, hey man, have you seen Return of the Living Dead? No. Have and if they seen, have, they've definitely not seen this one. Have you seen Night of the Living Dead, the remake, 1990? No. No. I mean, I, I actually haven't seen this before. You're going to love this. This will be something you end up buying. Uh, we're watching My Twilight Time I thought Time I have. Copy. I swore I had this on DVD because I remember the, the logo. It's my Twilight Time copy, kids. Very rare. Very expensive. Oh yeah, this you, thing's over a hundred bucks. Yeah, now. this this thing you're going to have to get on eBay. We're we're watching the Twilight Time Blu-ray, super fucking limited. You can get a nice import of this off Amazon for eighteen bucks. That I'm told doesn't look quite as good as this. Uh, some confusion with this. There's a Euro boot also of Christine and Fright Night, which I do not recommend buying because Christine has actually been released domestically by Sony. I also have the Twilight oh, Time of it, but already just like the the classic we got here. Yeah, the, the makeup in this again. I'm not trying to you know lick his nuts, but. Uh, actually, I don't know that Tom did the makeup in this. I think K and B did, right? Which actually is probably why it looks even better. I don't know, but the zombies in this look good. He looks great. But uh, we got Johnny is played by Bill Mosley in this film. Yep. Which a lot of the uh... Corey's a huge Bill Mosley fan. I'm actually looking <laughs> at a Bill Mosley autograph right now. It says to Corey, my number one fan. Bill Mosley. No, it doesn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, he, he likes I him do okay. have the I like him okay, too. He's he's okay. He's been in a lot of horror shit. He was a buns to me when I met him, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. He was nice to Corey. <laughs> uh, Toodle, Corey's dog, is going to rip his nuts off at the next con we go to. Uh, <laughs> he's going to have... He's going to be ballless. He's like, I'm no, I'm kidding. I'm the number one. I'm kidding. He's fine. It was weird. I think he was just having a cranky day. He was bad mood or something. But uh, yeah, Barbara is now walking, as you know, through at like the original, even though this is the remake, which I prefer. Uh, she's running back to her Volvo and getting in it and getting the hell out of there. Although she's running back to her or Mercedes. Excuse me, Mercedes. She's running and, back uh, in her Volvo. This is an interesting shot. This guy is straight nudie. Oh. Something Corey didn't need to see. Zombie hairy ass. Uh, hairy zombie ass. And now he's ripping off his nudes because he's standing on his clothes. He's coming to get you, Corey. The, the case for that. They're coming to get you, Corey. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go back to the film here, kids. I know I got away from it on the last film that we did, and I apologize. I am back in form. Uh, Demon Knight was just kind of there and it was on while we were rambling. But anyway, not going to do that to you today. Barbara's running through the goddamn woods. She just fell in the woods. She looks like a man, but she's not. She I'm does look sure like a man. She does. She's not very attractive. And she here comes some zombies. Those, uh, she likes those naked zombie buns. Uh, want to talk about a, an aspect while she's running through the woods here from the zombies. I wanted to talk about something about this film that a lot of people complained about this release. Uh, Tom Savini went in 
with the cinematographer and they put a blue hue on this film. Mm-hmm. I like it. The goddamn thing with it, without it, excuse me, without the blue hue, it's way too brightly lit. Mm-hmm. Not too brightly lit. Like fucking Tales from the Dark Side. But seriously, <laughs> it, it, uh, I like the blue hue. And what's funny, Twilight Times like, well, we'll refund your money, send them back, and all these fanboys are like, I don't like it, but I'm going to keep it. <laughs> it's like, well, if you don't like it, then send it back so somebody else can buy it. They never did that. I got my copy uh, off Amazon. Went, okay. went for like oh, 40 bucks. Barbara is now trying to get in the home, which they will be spending a large period of time in in this film. I like this film. It's gory. It's nasty. Uh, what do you think of the uh, blue hue on this? I like it. I do, too. Uh, the damn film is too fucking... Let me see that. It's pretty cool. You can tell that he did that because, you, you know, for obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah, it's interesting. But, um... It looks like you did it off your computer, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, or on my phone. Um, Just to let you know, the proceeds off that Night of the Living Dead that's $18 on Amazon goes to Corey's bank. He he owns. It also goes to the it also goes to the spine of my uh, Night Rider Blu-ray case that uh, Tom Savini tried to destroy. (laughs) But he would have thrown this at me too. You know what? Um, Remember, I about sent this with you. Yeah, going going back to that time, and if you know, it's been a while since I mentioned this. I think the last episode I maybe touched on this was pieces, or maybe we got into it in another episode. Um, Eli Ross Reese's pieces for you guys that haven't watched it's episode three. It's fucking great. We stayed up all night doing that fucking episode. Yeah, um, watch Blind Date too. Found it. Yeah, we did with uh, Nikolai. It was fucking funny. Um, I was at Mad Monster in March uh, with Alexis, my girlfriend, and uh, the first guy I went up to meet was was Tom Savini. And, and I, there's a hand. I had brought uh, Night Riders with me, the Scream Factory. I fucking love that film. It's weird that I like it, but I love it. Um, you know, and there's a, there's a zombie uh, stage dive, and he just, ugh, that was pretty awesome. That's a pretty scary zombie too. Um, anyway, these look good. <laughs> Tom Savini had just got, you know, I was at a convention or whatever, so he he just got back to his table. He downed like a fucking a whole like was he drinking liquor? Yeah, he had a whole glass full of like whiskey or something or scotch or something. <clears throat> And he was already pissed off because I was standing there waiting on him. To... Were you the only one there? Yes, I was the only one standing there. There's nobody time. else. He was next to... Oh, shit, he's fucking carjacked. This movie's good, man. Um, Blue Hue. He... I was the only one standing at his table. Right next to his table was George Romero against the wall, who was obviously backed up for fucking miles. And... I went to Tom Savini first, and I really wanted to uh, see if he had any Morgan prints from Knight Riders, because I was, that was one of the main things I had, you know. Tony I, Todd. Yeah, Tony Todd, fucking Candyman's on screen, he's playing the uh, guy that got shot in the head at the end, I don't remember the characters' names from that movie, but um, it's very tragic, you know, the black guy lives, and then they think he's a zombie because he's so tired, and they shoot him in the fucking head, whatever. Um... So I walked up to Tom. I was fucking at his table. I was waiting on him to sit down. And he was already cranky because I was standing there waiting on him. And, uh, you know, I was like, hey, man, 
It's nice to meet you. And he just like shook my hand. And he was like, okay. So already I was like, I should just turn around and go away, but fuck him, I'm not going to. Uh, At what point did you hand him money? After everything. Okay. I should have just walked off and be like, you're not getting my money. But So you knew then he was already an ass. Yeah, because I was like, hey man, it's it's great to see you again. You know, And he was like, okay. You know, immediately it's like, this isn't going to go well. So, but I let it go. I was like, maybe he's just got to work out his cranky. I don't know what... It, what happened this morning or he you know what what the fuck's going on so I handed my Knight Riders Blu-ray and I'm like hey I love this movie it, it sucks you don't have any Morgan prints with you cause I really wanted a, a Knight Riders print for you to sign also and he just like he signs the Blu-ray just ignores everything I was saying and then he like slams it a few times like it's, he's packing a deck of cards and then just hands it to me. He's like, here you go. I was like, thanks. And then he was like, pay the nice lady right there. And then I gave her 20 bucks and then walked off. And that was that. I immediately went over to the staff of, of Mad Monster and I had them cancel my uh, pre-ordered ticket for the sex machine photo op. And I switched it with uh, Malcolm McDowell's photo op. So... Which is a smart move anyway. So he can eat my Legend he, can eat, he can eat my balls. I paid ten more dollars to get a fucking uh, <laughs> Clockwork Orange backdrop with Malcolm McDowell and my girlfriend. It was fucking sweet. Uh, she fucking hates From Dust Till Dawn anyway. She thought she thought that movie was a turd because it is a turd. Um, it's a Robert Robert Rodriguez turd. Yeah, not the first one. He's he's made nothing but turds in his career except for uh, Planet Terror was pretty cool. I didn't like it, um, but. He's still a fucking hack. I mean, he's... He ruined Predators for me, that movie. That's the first movie I ever walked out on in theaters. Uh, I actually stood up and stood there for a minute. I was like, okay, yeah, this is terrible. Uh, Yeah, it's a piece of shit. So that's all. You know, I I like From Dust Till Dawn sometimes, but for the most part, it's just weird and, you know... uh, Quentin Tarantino's a rapist. Just remember, he directed Spy Kids. We're talking about the same fucking guy. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I gotta have, it. I gotta suck Antonio Banderas's dick and put him in every movie. Only movie he ever did that I liked was Desperado. That's it. Yeah, that's El Mariachi was pretty cool, but I can't Desperado. Can't do it. Do it live. <laughs> Desperado is his best movie. So, anyways, let's go back real, real, real quick. I'm gonna reiterate this. So, yeah, I, we're already going off the rails. You can see where this episode's going, but no, we're not. Uh, we're fine. You know, we're fine. I'm on point. We're so we're Tom, in the house. We're good. So Tom was a total fucking rump, and. uh... I don't. Well, you fixed it. You switched it to Malcolm, and and there you go. Yeah, and then I walked over to George, and I was like, "What's this deal?" I was being a butt. He's just like, "Ah, you know, stuff happens." I was like, "Well, thank you for signing my Blu-ray, George." Some people you meet, and you know, I had I had met Tom a few times before, and he was really nice to me. So I don't know what the deal was. Uh, I got trapped with him in an elevator. He didn't like your stuff face. like that. I guess not. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you know what if. If you, if you don't change your face, I'm going to have to change it for you. <laughs> and I was like, all right, man, I just really like Knight Riders. So he was like, hey, that's great, man, You know, but I really just don't like your face. You're just going to have to back up. You know? I don't know what he did. But, you know, it's, it's He was mad before he sat down. I feel like if I was somebody else with like a From Dust Till Dawn Blu-ray, he would have acted the same way. I just He looked pissy. I, shouldn't, I should have left him alone when I walked up to him. But I was like, I had just got to the convention. I was ready to go. You know, the hotel, you know, I, I was in the hotel 
staying where the convention was. But, you know, I was out and about and stuff. So when the convention started, I was ready to go. He was the first guy I wanted to meet. And, you know, I was like, oh, I, I want this Knight Rider sign. He probably thought I was some schmuck I was going to sell on eBay and all this stuff. And I was like, maybe I should now, you know. But the only reason I refused to actually sell it because, A, I don't do that. If I'm going to get an autograph from you, it's not to put it online. It's right. because I fucking want it. It's for me. I'm not paying the money to make money, you know. But the only reason after that I did not sell it is because, hey, no one's going to buy Knight Riders with Tom Savini's, you know, uh, autograph on it. It's not worth a damn thing. I'll tell you that. His autograph's not worth shit. It's worth 20 bucks at a convention. You know how much that's worth on eBay? Nothing. So I got George Romero's autograph on it because he actually appreciated the fact that I even liked that movie. I think Tom Savini, like, hates that movie because it was such a pain in the ass to film. But, I mean, that was... Besides Martin, that was like his starring role movie that he should have appreciated, but I really don't think he does. You could have walked up with Maniac and he would have thrown it at you. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> or this. He directed this. He probably would have shit all over this, too. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, I was initially going to send you with this. Be like, you're saw, a fucking yeah. asshole for having me sign this. You're going to sell on eBay. It's like, your signature's not worth a damn thing. It doesn't matter. I'm man. about to walk over and get George Romero's autograph. That's fucking worth money, because I'm yes, paying a hell of a lot to get it. But... That's why I wouldn't get rid of my Knight Riders because I'm not going to let Tom Savini ruin it because I like that movie. And I, li- movie. and I like it for George. I think he really, tr- you know, I like Ed Harris. And I got George to sign it too, and that's why I wouldn't sell it because it's got his stamp on it. So, And I know George appreciates anybody who watches that movie and likes it. Because so. it was in between Dawn and, and Day, and he just tried something different. Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. I know he he wasn't really as self conscious about it as as Tom was doing it because you know George just wanted to try something different and he didn't really give a fuck if anyone thought it was stupid or not and it originally wasn't going to have motorcycles and all that stuff it was actually going to be horses but they thought it was a pain in the ass so they just were like fuck it let's use motorcycles and they made it something cool you know but uh, you know <clears throat> that whole experience didn't bother me I'm glad it happened first thing. And I got it out of the way, and I had fun with the rest of the convention. I didn't have any other issues with anybody. So, uh, but for all you convention goers, or maybe you first timers, don't let somebody's stupid attitude uh, bother you. Especially if they're going to try and ruin the spine of your Blu-ray you paid thirty bucks yep. for, plus twenty of it for an autograph. You know, um, just just leave them alone. Just let them be pissed off at whatever's going on. If that's how they're going to act, then. They'll figure it out. Corey's favorite thing, just to let you all know, at that convention, <clears throat> was getting to meet the cast and director of his favorite horror film, Mutilator. <laughs> it's it's so gory and, and amazing. I'm quoting uh, a friend of ours that I won't name, Jens Platt. And that was his, that was the highlight of his Those guys were really nice. Trip. You know, they were super cool. Um, Corey's actually the killer in Mutilator 2, which is going to be in 3D this fall at a theater near you. And it's called Fall Break 2 for those of you that just want to be edgy and have two titles to a movie. Because they didn't even rate it the first time. They're like, we don't even have a rating on this movie. Not because it's, it's, you know, it's so uh, gory and stuff, but because we just don't even want to rate this film. It doesn't need to be in theater. To get into the My Mutilator thing, there was such a build-up from our friend Jens about that turd. 
and I and I wasted and I'm mad about it still. I wasted thirty dollars on that piece of shit. <laughs> and it's not worth the paper it's printed on. It's the worst piece of dog shit I've ever seen. And I don't give a fuck if Arrow paid me to review it, I wouldn't review it. <laughs> it's a piece of shit. But anyway, back to Night of the Living Dead. They're in the house. <clears throat> the the uh, farmer zombie Shit's is escalated <clears throat> quickly, dead. And See, Tony and Todd is going through the kitchen and looking for weapons and, windows and food and whatever they need. Preserves. <clears throat> yeah, this is this one's escalated a lot quicker than the old film. Definitely. Um, the only the only thing that the old film escalates into is going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick. When I was younger, watching this, it was it was trying to. Did you pull up? Do we have anything on the? In the middle of this movie, um, my phone's oh, my toast. Minus two because you know, it's like fantastic. Um, Stays is getting better and better. Hey, come here. But when I was watching, you know, the old movie when I was younger, in between the movie and the ending of the movie, I was trying to figure out uh, which bunk I should sleep in. Oh really? Usually within like ten minutes, I was asleep. No matter it's what. pretty, yeah, it's pretty bad. Even in the middle of it, you know. Now, granted, I was saying to the doctor earlier, uh, the original Night of Living Dead. It's a staple to horror. It's like the Black Sabbath of horror movies, not the movie Black Sabbath, but the band. It's like what Black Sabbath is to death metal or metal in general. Night of Living Dead is that to horror movies, but. Yeah. Agreed. The original, yeah. It's also at the same time. It's, it's a very uh, just dirgy. It's just a. It, it just makes me want to go to bed. That's all. Yeah, kind of like me with Black. It turns Sabbath. me into an actual zombie watching. <coughs> <it's like, coughs> same with Black Sabbath for me. It just makes me want to go to sleep. Yeah. Ozzy Osbourne era Black Sabbath. No thanks. <laughs> I just want to go to bed. So. Uh, you know, I'm this into, song's been played too much. Fun. I'm into stuff. Have you know? <clears throat> Ronnie James Dio owns my soul. Fun. <clears throat> I'm just give me Dio any day, kids. <clears throat> <clears throat> give me Dio. No Ozzy Osbourne, just Dio. I'm just into uh, you know faster paced movies. I just can't can't do it. This movie's good. I, I think it has a good pace. I like pace. the pace it's, of this already. Cause it's, it's gory. Stuff's going on. I love like, Tony oh, Todd. I'll take this over Candyman. I just like this movie. Candyman's pretty awesome. Can't, I can't do it. Can't do it? I can't do it. You don't like Candyman? Nope. We'll do it live. <laughs> that is one I will not be doing with you. Is it just... You just think it I just think it's a, I just think it's a turd. <laughs> it's not him. It's not Tony Todd. It's I think it's shitty writing on Clive Barker's part. I just think it's a stupid story. and. Mm. I'm this guy that haunts this fucking you bathroom. Know. Yeah, it's like I don't care. I, I haunt a urinal. <laughs> I, I, I haunt a urinal at a fucking at a fucking I'm gonna hook apartment your, complex. I just don't. I'm gonna hook your. I'm gonna hook off your wee wee in the urinal. <laughs> <clears throat> I can't. I don't know. I can't do that one. I don't. Oh, shit. Isn't there like four of them? I've only seen. Yeah, the first it's one. he's in like I think two of them or something. That's, That's weird. And Scream Factory put out that. Farewell to the Flesh or whatever, which yeah. is a turd. <laughs> I just don't. I don't know. I don't. Claude Barker for me is is not breed and Hellraiser, and that's it. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't go into other places. I don't know if you we have any three sixty owners out there or anybody that owned a three sixty. Claude Barker's video game that they made was a fucking turd. <laughs> I never played. That. It was a fucking turd. 
<laughs> Clyde Barker should just stick to it. writing books, I guess, man. I mean, that's whatever he wants to do. I think he just stamped his name on the video game. I don't know if he wrote one. Did he that write game the video was, game? I think so. Was it like Tortured Phil? Yeah, it was Yeah, whatever. it was something. It was horrible. Remember the toys? They had the McFarlane toys were pretty cool. Whenever... No, it wasn't called torture. It was called something weird. But it was like a first-person shooter, and you're out hunting stuff. What? Look it up. <laughs> I can't do it. Look it up. Look up. 360. Do a lie. Fuck it. I'm telling you, it's 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 bad. But, uh, but yeah, you know, this film, saw it at the theater, skipped school to see it. Most of the horror movies I saw as a teenager, I would skip school and go watch them, which I'm very proud of. Don't do that. It's not good for your... Get loaded. ...for your uh, career. Please, please skip school to watch horror. Well, you know what? There also no, there's nothing good to skip horror to skip school for anymore. So it was back then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't don't skip school. Don't for, skip school uh, to go watch the new Ghostbusters. You know? Yeah, or for teeny bopper horror stuff. Just uh, Star Trek Footlong. Might as well go to school so you can grow up and make better movies. You know what I mean? Right. So let's see. So for this, Romero rewrote the original screenplay. Oh, okay. The John Russo screenplay. She's a very nice guy. They're both nice guys. You met John Russo as well? I did. At the same convention? I met him at Barbecue, which is weird. He was just there with a booth at Barbecue last weird. year. Weird. Yeah, and I was like, John Russo? Hi. He was like, hey, man. He was, I was like, you're a fucking legend, man. This is really cool. I didn't expect you to be here. And he, he was like, well, it's it's good to see you, and, and thank you for coming to say hey to me, whatever, blah, blah. Circuit to March this year, and there he is again. And he's, he's just a nice guy right he's across. following from, you around. Right, ac- right across from George, and then you got Tom in the middle of it, you know, being a rump. So <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know. You got any, any rump stories? Have you met Tom Savini before? No. That's probably a good thing. You know, I don't. I, I honestly, as many uh, musicians as I've met, I've, I've kind of shot away from actors and yeah people. I don't know. I don't. I don't really do that. And honestly, it's 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 been something that uh, I normally avoid because I don't want. I'm so into movies that I don't want that ruined. Yeah. Not that it doesn't suck when it is with a, a band, you know, because then you don't want to give them any money either, and I don't if they're mean, but, but it's, it's, it's really if, sucks with an actor. It's one thing if they're a band, but if it's an actor, you have to see their face the whole movie. I mean, I can give, I can give you an example of something that happened to, uh, to Julia. She and I had went to a convention, and Julia wanted to meet Elvira, and I thought she was a cunt. <laughs> I didn't have anything against her. I'm not a fan but I don't hate her either. I just don't care. The only the only thing Elvira that I like are her old pinball games. Yeah. Which if y'all have the one of those pinball like download DLC things for the either your PS4 or the Xbox One, there's some Elvira pinball things, and it's exactly like what I used to play in the arcade. They're fucking cool. Nice. But she was just she. I don't know how to describe this other than I, I will do it here for the audience uh, while Tony Todd. Is discovering other people in this house. And and they're hiding the in the movie. cellar this whole yep. time. Yep. Uh, got Harry Cooper and. It Alan was kind of like. And Thera. Julia's trying to talk to Elvira, and all she got to communicate with, Elvira wouldn't even look at her. All she wanted to do was talk to her handler, and the handler would answer her. 
It's like she speaks. She's fucking from America. It's not like she. Needs she was speaking through the handler too, Julia. It was really rude. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. And it was also overpriced. I wouldn't have given her five bucks to, for a fucking picture, much less what Julia gave her, which was something like sixty-five or seventy. It was yeah. something ridiculous. Uh, like I said, I, I've had nothing honestly but bad experiences up until this year of going and meeting people that I have liked since I was young. Normally, it's a really bad experience. Unbelievably, this last time that I went to a convention, which was not horror-related, when I met the three people that I did, it was all really positive. Well, that's good. That's what you want. But you know. normally, i got to be honest with you, I would tell you guys not to go because normally my experience has not been that. It's been negative. Right. Uh, these people are angry or they're embarrassed, I think, that they're there asking for money. Uh, I've never had anybody... I've been really lucky. I've never had anybody just out and out be mean to me. All the people that I've ever chanced on have been like Dick Dick Warlock that played uh, Swamp Thing in the television show and in the in the two feature films. Uh, very nice. Yeah. Very cool guy. You know, the couple, the handful of people that I've, yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of people that are horror related. Uh, Dirk Benedict that I met. Dirk was uh, face on the A Team, nice. and he was Starbuck on. Uh, uh, Battlestar, the original Battlestar Galactica, the only Battlestar Galactica. It was not that piece of shit remake. <laughs> um, Starbuck is a dude. It's not a chick. Anyway, uh, very cool. You know, so I've been lucky, but again, I haven't yeah, really, I haven't done what you've done. I've never really... Not trying to stray you guys away from, definitely. If dived you, into if, that. If you want to... I will stray you away from if it. If you want to do it and, and take, you know... If that's what you want to do, you know, then then go do it. Don't do means. it. I would. But I don't chance it. I've only had like a couple of bad experiences out of all the times I've went to conventions. So it's a gamble. Yeah. It's like walking in and buying a goddamn scratch up. I think I really do. Right. You don't know what you're going to get. And in something on some of the ones I've done, yeah. it was a real big gamble because you you give someone over fifty bucks, uh, you don't know what you're going to get. You yeah. just don't. I mean, look what you got with... There you go! I mean, and you went into that before. You got fucking ripped. That was like... I don't even know how much it was. You Two got bucks. ripped. It's just... I mean, that's not... And that's why I tell people... I will tell people the complete opposite. I would... Uh, the hell? Stop listening. Sorry, goddamn... Uh, Xbox, Xbox is, is fucking uh, peeping. Xbox is needy. But yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like... Uh, I think, though, it's worth it if you're paying Yeah, if you want to do If you do, I'm just saying I'm very negative on that. I don't... For I'm me, not real. before you get stuck there all weekend and you've, nah. never, you've never gone to a convention, then um, I would just go for one day. Don't go... Don't book your... If you've never been to a convention, don't book yourself the whole fucking weekend to be stuck there if you don't know what you're in Don't for. pay for a sex machine. Yeah, don't pay Love for a sex pack. machine photo op like eight months before the show. You might not want to do it. Um, you got lucky getting that fixed. Yeah, I did. Um, it's mostly been good. Nine, you know, ninety-eight out of a hundred percent has been good. So, I mean, it all depends on the people that are there and what's going on with them. I mean, you don't fucking know. So, if you want to go meet people and try it out and and risk, you know, losing money and maybe. Uh, credibility or uh, you know because will I will I f- ever forget the way Tom Sabini treated me no 
does it override everything that he's done up until that point? Yes. Like, was he nice to me before that? Yeah. But was he nice to me the last time? No. Well, it also, if you're like me, it makes you look at things dear. Like, like I love this movie. But when I watch the but I'm original... Not, but I, but I've, I'm going to have a lot easier time now in the reverse of this. If I was you, I couldn't watch this right now. Well, it's different if he's behind if he's on a director's chair than if I were to watch Dawn of the Dead and I want him to. Let's give Corey a round of applause for uh, actually watch. See, I'm not being a smartass. I'm serious for actually watching this because I will tell you this: if he had done what he did to, if he done to the doctor what he did to Corey, uh, this would have bitch. This movie wouldn't we wouldn't be watching it. Be on eBay. That's how I roll. So you're a. You're a bigger person than I am. Y'all should listen to Corey and not me. Uh, the doctor is unforgiving. Well, I'm just saying it's one thing if he's behind the director's chair, but if, if you were like, let's watch Dawn of the Dead on Blu-ray, which is also rare and fine, then uh, I would be like, well, I just want him to crash on his fucking motorcycle. You know? Sure. I don't want to watch him. I couldn't watch that Night Riders movie anymore. No. But I'm stuck with it because I'm not going to sell it because... You know, I respect no, 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 George. no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just telling you. But yeah, I wouldn't watch it anymore because no. it's. I don't want to see his face. So I didn't even look at it the rest of the weekend. I did that day one, and then I was like, "Well, there's him. I'm just going to go back over here." You know. So you know, but him and weird. He's got a Steelers hat on. Yeah, they were up in Pittsburgh. You know, where the original one was set and filmed, <coughs> which is cool. Actually, it was supposed to be in Kentucky, wasn't it? But it wasn't. I don't know. I'm gonna. Now that was uh, that was Return of Living Dead. They made it in Kentucky. Some shit. I'm do a little research on this while we're watching it. I'll my phone. <laughs> Guys, uh, we've got a hell of an interview coming up. Lee Harrison. Yeah, so much fun. Uh, a lot of insight. A lot of history One of, my of death bands, metal. Monstrosity. Great guy. I uh, hope you enjoy it. It's really fucking cool. Uh, Get into some pretty cool stuff. He, we, I'm really happy, uh, and I apologize if I've, <coughs> excuse me, dropped the ball on this in the past. Uh, we went through every fucking release. Yeah. Lee started with the demo. We went all the way up to Spiritual Apocalypse, and then the new record, which is yet to be uh, released. But uh, right. you get to hear more about that. Uh, and back to Tony Todd looking at this crazy fuck. Uh that uh, was in the basement with his... It's Harry. Whoever, yeah. Well, she looks like Harry from the old film, but it's not, obviously. They did a good job with this. I mean, like I said, it's... It's very true to the original. Um, it this movie's claustrophobic. Is. Yeah. Should be. It's good. I don't know why people complain about the bu- the blue hue thing. I mean, it's obvious why it's there. I mean, I have sunglasses on now, but the blue <laughs> hue doesn't bother me. I have my sunglasses on because uh, I like to wear them when I record. Yeah. But uh, but no, it's brought outside where we're at in beautiful Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the back to this. I'm going to look this up here. But uh, you got the zombified uh, daughter there. That's uh, very ill at the moment. Just a good movie. Eventually, hopefully, at least, of course, you see the the trowel scene that they reenact in this where. She stabs her mom or whatever. Which is but to go back to this again, I want to kind of touch on this for a second. The Candyman thing. Love Tony Todd. Love him as, as Kern in, in Star Trek, oh, Next yeah. Generation, uh, Worf's brother, the Klingon. Uh, but I can't do... He's also in Deep Space Nine, several episodes, which is fucking awesome. 
uh, one episode where he plays the aging uh, Jake Sisko. Huh. Uh, one of my favorite episodes in season four. But but anyway, what I was going to say, get on, off that, I'm sorry. Uh, Candyman, I don't know, man. I, I don't like the female in that film. Yeah. I can't think of her name. I can't stand her. <laughs> I like to run her over with my car. Uh, I don't like the way the film flows, and I think it's a shitty story. Yeah, it's kind of borrowed from a lot of it's not him. stuff. It's not him. It, Tony Todd's fine in it. It's not even that. It's just I don't think it's a good movie. And it's people are like, hey, fucking candy. It's like people coming up to me going, like, fucking saw. It's like, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, if that's what you're into, that's great. That's fantastic. Can't I do, do it. If, if you have some kind of nostalgia piece to it, it's the same people. Uh, I saw a news piece today of, of the Olympians uh, were fussing because they didn't have Pokemon Go or something. Or And I'm what? like... I'm dead what? serious. The Olympians were fussing because wherever they're at, where the Olympics are, I couldn't even tell you, uh, they're, they they didn't have Pokemon Go, and they were upset about it. And I'm like, if that's all you have to get upset about, then... They're it, Olympians. Why are you even playing Well, I, I don't know, but apparently I'm the only person in a, in the world that does not play that game. But anyway... you got better shit to do. I, I do, and I'll, I'll kill you as a solid snake. But anyway... <laughs> uh, it, Whatever, I don't care if people like that or not. But where I'm going with this, it's kind of like Candyman. When Candyman came out, I remember it was at the theater and we saw it. There was all this hype behind it. It's a fucking hype machine. I just I have no interest in that. Was movie. it that Virginia Madsen chick? Thank you. Like I can't stand Madsen her. Madsen Dune. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, she, <laughs> I'm not a fan. It's like she did the voiceover in that. She's the uh, sister of Michael Madsen. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of his Which either. Which is crazy. Um. Now I'm going to give you guys some info on this film that we are watching. Here we go. Alright, so... Or maybe not. Okay, here we go. Uh, This movie was released on... Oh, cool. It was released on October... 19th of 90. It's 92 minutes long. Uh, it barely made its budget back. Poor Christ is only a few months old. I'm not going to comment on how old I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see here. I want to put the fucking air back on. Cause I'm Please, yes. I apologize. We had had to turn the air off earlier for the... Lee interview because we had to raw like record the fucking thing. We had the first phone in. Usually we do uh, we do Skype calling, but uh, since we've had the internet down at the office over here, um, had to raw dog it. You know, our last we've been we've been pulling it off though, so it sounds really good. So either way. Um. <laughs> up on my ginger ale because I'm 90. Hey, Savini did do the makeup in this. That's cool. It looks good. To avoid an NC-17 rating, Savini had to cut several scenes from the film. Didn't it originally get like an X rating? Uh, A Blu-ray version was released on October 2012, which is what we're watching, limited to 3,000 copies. 
And Umbrella, the Australian film, released it in April of this year alongside the 1968 original. Uh, uh, very negative reviews. What a shock! Roger Ebert doesn't like a goddamn thing. You could you could fart in his dinner with cash, and he would hate the film. <laughs> That's just how it is. Uh, they're boarding up the doors to protect the house right now, and I'm going to go back to look at it this year. You can give him the bottom half of a hooker and, and give it to him on a silver platter, and he'd be like, "This is." And you know what? I don't give a fuck, and I want to trash two sites here real quick, kids. I don't give a fuck what Rotten Tomatoes. Thinks of a goddamn thing. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes like the new Star Trek film, which I wouldn't fucking wipe my ass on. It's so fucking yeah, horrible. Let, let me, let me give and here's you another side yeah. I want to fucking attack real quick. Wait, wait, before you get bloody on disgusting. Who fucking cares what you think? Let me give you guys a little message. If 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 you put if a movie gets released and it says Rotten Tomatoes fresh certified on it, it doesn't mean I want to buy it. It just means well, I probably don't want to watch this. So. I just don't give a fuck what other people think. You know, this this is our Corey and I's podcast. I, I don't, I'm not interested in other people's opinions. If I offend you, blow me. The blade disgusting's all right. Uh, I like how they incorporate. Not a uh, fan, kids. The doctor does not like it. They incorporate metal into their website, which a lot of them don't. Uh, usually, that's wow. It sounds like us. Yeah, it does. But it's different. Not interested. Know, it's not the stuff we like, but. You know, they try. Y'all got that new fucking slip? Not go see Saw 20. Anyway, not doing it. Uh, go see Lights Off. Anyway, uh, no, not doing it. Uh, so anyway, those sites are gay. Uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, bloody disgusting. You can blow me. Uh, not interested in what you think. I like this film. Uh, don't really care if anybody does or not. You know, we pick stuff that we like on here. Same with the Monstrosity interview. If somebody out there thinks it's not relevant, again, you can blow me. Just unzip and insert into your mouth. Enjoy. Enjoy my penis. Uh, it's Canadian, too, so it's lengthy. That's right. But, you know, I it's uh, this is good stuff, you know. And uh, you you move off of... Uh, off of... Uh, uh, you know, a hype machine on something. This movie got no... No support. Oh, no. Because they're also going to the original. It's like, well, go watch the original. Savini apparently hated making this film. Yeah, just like he hates meeting Corey Gorkrest too. Yeah, he didn't like meeting you. It even says so. He was like, "Wow, I'd rather it make." Says I'd rather in March make... of 2016. <laughs> I'd rather the worst make thing could have ever happened. <laughs> I would when I'd a rather... Jewish troll came up to me with his copy of Night Rotters as I slammed it on the table and threw it at him. I'd rather remake Night of the Living Dead again than meet Corey Gorkrest again. We well, called you a Jewish troll, which I thought was kind yeah. of harsh. Yeah. It's... It wasn't a real Blu-ray from Screen Factory either. It, it said Shout Factory. It's pretty sure it's bootleg. <laughs> okay. But no, but the the film, you know, this is... Is it great? No, but it, there's no zombie films that are really great, I don't think. I, I, the, the whole idea of a zombie is, is what it is, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a paranoia thing. It'd be like a, a movie for me because I have a phobia of, of insects. It'd be like insects trapping me inside of a fucking home, you know? I don't know. You, you kind of work with what you have. This movie's claustrophobic. It's supposed to be, and it it works on some levels. But it's is this fucking 
the best movie I've ever seen, no, but I, I like it. I would definitely recommend buying it, especially if you like zombie films. It's entertaining, then it's good, you know? It doesn't have to be... Yeah, it's... That's, that's Tom, is this great? That's no. Tom Towles, isn't it? As, um, but I will say this, at least Tom Savini's not out touring and making people listen to his awful band. Yeah, with his, you know... With his stepson. His son. His son's... Uh, and then doing yeah. interviews on it with a comedian and blowing us off. Yeah. It's fine. You know, whatever. I'm not getting any more of my fucking money. Yeah, at least he didn't blow me off. He just was an asshole. It's kind of the same thing. Oh, I got, I got blown off. That's okay. We're not going to get the end of that on here. But I, you know, whatever. I did last time. It's you know, it's people want to waste their money on stuff. That's their business. I just don't do it live. Fuck it. It used used to. It was fun for me to go out to a film or a concert or whatever else, and it still is. I still have fun when Corey and I and. Uh, we we go to a show and and we get to you know we do some stuff like like the the uh, hanging out with Dallas it was cool and Nile and and doing all that but it was hard to enjoy the show when you're surrounded by a bunch of assholes you know it's 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 like anything else you know it's like we're going to see a movie tomorrow night and uh, Corey and I are and you know are there going to be a bunch of assholes that probably we're always seeing movies if I, yeah I can't like right now but it's always wow. but you know it's for some reason at a theater. It seems to be. It seems to be a little bit more controlled. It's you know like because I think they're like, well, I spent a lot of money. I need to be quiet. Well, no, it's because people are stationary and we're sitting in a seat. We're not standing in a venue where they can just walk up to you. Right. People feel less inclined when you're in your own personal space, sitting down, and you're vulnerable. It's a good fucking point. Whenever you're not vulnerable, it's a good fucking point. Yeah, and you're standing. Hell of a point. And you're standing watching a band. They think they have the opportunity. And the privilege to come up to you because you're standing where they're standing, but if you're sitting down in a paid seat, then they're not going to like walk up to you while you're sitting down because that's just that's that's an invasion of your personal space, and they damn well know it. But, right. I mean, that's a good point. If you're standing in a venue, they're going to walk right up to you and be like, "Hey, man," because there's right. no like well, what happened to us. But it's uh, you know it's. It's a shame. I wish uh, I wish I could go to a concert or, and occasionally I can. But I will tell you guys out there, every fucking time we go to a concert, there is always some random asshole. Um, when we go and we go to a lot of shows in Atlanta, it never fails. We go to a lot of shows in uh, Miami and Orlando sometimes too, but. When we travel up, to, I visit friends and family in Atlanta. We go there a lot, and we go to shows there. And there's always some drunk, and he's he's always drunk. Or uh, I'm going to touch on our last one. We went to see uh, Vital Remains, uh, our last out of town show, and uh, we're hanging out with Bron, and which was awesome. What's up, Bron? Hope you're listening to these. Uh, anyway, and uh, from Vital Remains, and, and we were hanging out, and this—I I swear to God—this fucking neo-Nazi took a liking to me. A fucking neo-Nazi. I'm dead serious. A truck-driving neo-Nazi. He walked up to me first thing, and I'm going to say this verbatim. Okay, this is this is me quoting. This isn't me from my words or anything like that. I'm I'm specifically quoting this person. I walked up to this guy, and he was in the middle of another conversation with somebody else. 
It was with Brian, wasn't it? No, this is after Brian walked off. He was talking to one of his buddies or something. And I walk up to, like, towards his direction, because we were just waiting around. We were wanting to talk to Watched Brian. Brian did the interview, yep. And, uh, so I walk up towards his direction, and I overhear him talking. And, uh, actually, you know what? This is actually the first thing he said to me. Okay, let's, let's hear it. Okay, sorry. We got off no, the you're good. You're fine. I walk up to him, and I was like, hey. We've been driving for, like, four hours, too, just to set this yeah. up. Yeah. And I don't think he's from Atlanta. He's from, like, Alabama or some shit. No, he was from... He was from Atlanta. Not originally, but he lived in that area. Yeah, because that was a local show to him. Because he liked, like, local mail. Well, I was like, you know, we came... I'm dreading seeing him. I was like, we we had to pass through uh, Knoxville or whatever to get here because we were, you know, in the area at the time. And he was like, oh, this is verbatim. All right, so I'm not catching anything for this. This is what this guy fucking says to me. Neo Nazi okay. kids. He was, he was driver. like he was like Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, there's a bunch of niggers down there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, I bet there's a bunch of niggers there. There's got to be. There's a bit a ton of niggers. Like first sentence he says back to me, and that's what he says. So already I have no interest in talking to this person, let alone I'm fucking Jewish and I really don't want to be around this guy because right. first thing I was like. Only a neo-Nazi is going to be that comfortable with racism around a complete stranger. Um, sure, you know. Well, he had if you if you remember, uh, he had some southern like clan stuff tattooed on. I didn't him, even so. notice. Yeah, uh, until yeah, they were there until he started talking to me and rambling. It's and great. I'm like, fuck, he's about it's to fantastic. like he's about to like shank me with his with his toothbrush. Right, and then uh, I start looking around at him, and you know, I saw the tattoos and stuff. And I was like, Jesus Christ! I just walked into a fucking brick wall. We had to deal with this guy all fucking night too and actually... He's walking around, he's trying to put his hand down the doctor's pants and he's just like, you need to give me your information. Yeah, he kept aggravating me. I'm gonna rape rape you in the urinal. He wanted a bootleg of this show that I had, but we won't even get into that. But what I will get into is this. I literally, the podcast, the interview that you all got with Brian, there is a point in that when I flat out fucking saved it because Corey was talking with Brian and I literally had to derail him. Do you not remember that? You like did like the, I had to you go did the action movie. Here. You did the goose. I had to go look like no seriously I was like You were goose from Top Gun in that part. No. 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 I I I, I, I <laughs> only I you fucking, didn't die. No, I just I had to go over and be like I'm serious. I was like look, you know you Well to me you, you, you like shut jumped, the fuck up. To me you jumped in the way of a bullet you, you were like because no. if you don't you know, I don't want you walking because he was going to walk over and start asking all these goddamn questions, even though we were standing there recording. Basically, where I'm going with this is, it's a fucking miracle that 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 didn't go to shit. Yeah, because I thought honestly at the time the whole thing was about to go in the toilet because y'all would have had a neo-Nazi on there. Yeah, then I would be like, "Sorry, this episode is not airing." We would have never been able to put it up. But think, you know, I caught it, and I know you would have caught it too. But you were talking; you couldn't have ran off. I was the only one that was there. And actually, funny story: uh, Jens was supposed to be standing there, fucking keeping people away from us, and he's in there watching goddamn Hate Eternal, which I understand. But I wish he had, instead of saying, "Hey, I'm going to help y'all keep people away from you," he was in the goddamn venue watching the show. It's like I, you know, if you fucking told me. So I'm out there having to try to do the interview and and do security. It was fucking awful. Right. But anyway, I, and I'm probably have to fucking deal with that when I have another interview that I'm getting ready to do soon. But I'll 
tell you all about that another time. But, uh, you know, it was just annoying. And the zombie just got shot in the head by the, the dog Barbara. Chick. Yeah. Barbara. And anyway, but yeah, it was, you know, whatever. You know, we did it, and it was cool. But it wasn't cool having to deal with that guy. And that guy eventually, and he aggravated me all night until I gave him, like, my phone number, my email address. And what's funny is I changed both of them. Yeah. He was like, hey, man, don't be messing with me on this. You got, like, he's an This guy was really scary. Yeah, he was. And he kept talking about having to pay child support and how angry he was about it. It's just like... He was like, I'm, I, maybe I'm, you should I'm have shot bought a box of condoms instead of a fucking six pack of strobes. Well, buddy. I feel I like know. I feel like if you talk to him enough, he'd be like, "Well, I've been shopping some some assault rifles and I've been checking out some malls around the area." It's like, okay, yeah. I mean, this guy was this guy was crazy. definitely fucking running on empty. Yeah, I mean, he was not there was not all there. I, I'm sure he's been in prison. The guy's probably got a record and everything else. But well, once he back said, to the film, the fucking girl, she's freaking out. Once Tony he Pog's said that on her. that bullshit to me and just openly racist in front of me, I was like, yeah, that's. Uh... Well, I mean, look, you're gonna get that, and it's a stereotype of metal. But those people do show up at shows well, like that. But you not know what? Like that. Those same assholes show up at Kiss shows. They show up at fucking rock shows, ACDC. They show up at Aerosmith, whatever. They show up at anything. Because they're just white trashers. Like, I like my fucking white trash. They're like, we're dude. racist, but we like everything. It's like, what? what well, it's not even that. They're just they're just white like trash. That. I grew up around in that area down there. I know what it's like down there. You get fucking, you know, it's fucking... I never told those people I was Canadian. If I told that guy I was Canadian and fucking uh, a quarter Cuban, he would have fucking stabbed me in the stomach. He would have fucking prison stuck me fucking inside the show. Because he was right. scary. That's another thing you guys ought to hear about. We're trying to watch fucking Vital Remains, and every time we'd stand there, he'd fucking walk by us, and he's just like, yeah! and yeah, do you remember that? He's, he's fucking like, like fucking walking. jacked, yeah. He was like fucking, he's like, I, when I drink, I act fucking crazy. Of course, he's at the bar the whole fucking night. I'm sitting there going, yeah, oh, you, God. When we were outside, and he was he was spouting off about his racist bullshit, uh, where he's, he thinks I'm on board with it, you know. He's just no, he like, thinks we were both down with it. He thought... Corey and I and him he were was like, like best friends and we were going to start a band together. He was like, are you sure you got, are you sure you're not a kike? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I what am. Is that? Not I don't even know what that is. Jew. Really? Kike. Yeah. He said that to you? No, I'm just, I'm making oh, fun okay. of him. I'm making fun of him. sweet Christ if he'd said I that. I can say that word, you know, all day. But, uh, um, he, but know, he had some kind of a, a German. Oh yeah, I know. He's a queer. Iron. Not not the swastika, but he had some kind Iron of Iron Cross, some or, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, that's the same thing. You know, it, whatever. I, I don't yeah, honestly. I'll be honest with you. I don't care. It doesn't offend if me. you're into that stuff. There's people listening to this, and you like what we're doing, and you want to do that. I don't give a fuck. Honestly, I don't care. My whole thing was I don't want to hang out with this guy because it wasn't even because he was racist. I had an issue with the guy because I think he was off. Period. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, the racist thing is no. I'm not condoning, but it's like I don't want the guy to fucking come up and stab me in the fucking neck during the middle of the show yeah. over a fucking. Well, here's what he was saying. He was like, like talking about his child support thing, and then he was like, uh, he was like, "Hey, you know, uh, I don't. I'm, I'm better take it easy because I just got another DUI, and they're about to take my license." And and the guy you know, power drinks to the whole yeah, fucking and, show. And he was like, "I'm just not going to drink. You know, I've been I've been doing really well, so I'm just trying to stay." Stay at ease here. Drank through the whole show. Yeah, and every time we saw him, he had like a twelve pack in his under his arm, you know, something like that. Well, no, he was just constantly he's drinking bar. like a fucking fish. He was drinking liquor. It was exaggeration. Oh no, of course I agree. I no, I'm with you, but yeah, he, he, he had he had a ke- he had a keg strapped to his back like Pretty a pro- like a proton pack. Yes, he was just like 
Nah, and you know that's fine, but you know you go to a show and do something like that. This guy was all. Well, you don't you walk know? up to strangers and, and drop n bombs and, and sure he does, and then and then, he does, and then be like, I better stay off of it because when I'm not, I, I get thrown out because I rip people's jaws off. Like hatch. he was telling us all this crazy shit. Either way, I, I tried to avoid him, try to be as nice as I could to him, as just because I didn't want to deal with him. Somebody gets drunk like that, and they you know, they'll fucking they're causing the guy would have stabbed me, or we end up in the fucking ER stabbed. Not even that, he gets us thrown out because of some bullshit. He gets involved, and he's like, "Those guys are my friends." It's like I don't fucking know you, mm-hmm. dude. You know, those people will throw you under the bus in two seconds because that's what they want from you. Is yep. They're trying to talk to you and act like your buddies, yep. and then as soon as they get a chance, they're like, no, it was then. It was scary. I mean, you know, whatever. I don't care. When you're in a situation like that, guys, just do your best to avoid them. Um, we can't avoid it. They're drawn to us for some reason. Every yeah, time it's the uh, best thing you can do is just walk away. Just be like, see you, Junior. But uh, back to the movie, we got uh, Tony Todd in the basement throwing the old business fuck around. Tom Towels and Tony Todd are going at it. Yep, they're going at it. Well, she looks weird with hair because I'm used to him being bald. Tony Todd's fucking awesome in this movie. Yeah, he is. I think he gives a more powerful performance to the role of Ben, which I think his name is. Yeah, um, that sounds right. Because you know, in the old film, he doesn't really talk or anything. He's just kind of there. It's not much dialogue compared to this one. There's a lot more drama and well, you know, stuff going on. Because they're all cooped up in this tiny house, and you know, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Because I mean, this shit just kind of fell in their lap, you know, literally. So, you know, sometimes remakes work. I mean, this is a remake that I like. There's it's remakes. a it's, it's that a remake. Time they don't. It's a know? remake by respectable people in the business, uh, including George himself, who rewrote the script. So I mean, they redropped it when they. It's it's the people that created. I can it. go. I can sit here and talk about some remakes that didn't work. Halloween. Halloween. That too. wasn't made by Carpenter, you know. So this was actually George Romero saying, right. "Hey, let's kickstart this again." I'm just saying. I'm, I can you list know. off. There's all kinds of remakes for me that don't work. You know, now they're apparently but, doing another Halloween film that John is producing, which I'm not a fan of because I think everything. I'll watch it. I mean, you know, I'll watch anything anymore. But after it's, it's Rob one of those Zombie things, took like, a shit on it, like I don't care about watching Halloween. I think that's all. I can watch the old ones all day; they're timeless. But Zob Rombie, yeah, Zob Rombie, but. The, <laughs> The old ones, are, the old ones are timeless, and the remakes are horrible. And everyone I talk to about it's just like, you know, you got to see him as a kid. And I was like, what is it with everyone wanting to see everyone as kids? Like, I could care fucking less. It's like I can care less about the first half of it. It's like I don't give a fuck. It's not even, you know, my I don't my I don't, thing I don't that, like going back to find out motives for anything. I would rather watch. It's scarier that Michael Myers just killed people. And he, he was a disturbed kid that fucking snapped. Like, you don't need to find out why. It's just scarier that you don't fucking know. I would rather watch fucking, uh, you know, any of the other Halloween sequels than watch his remakes. They're horrible. I'd rather watch Family Guy porn than watch that fucking Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know. It's I him know. as a kid, not approved by John Carpenter, but, you know. It's like, what is this? But whatever John Carpenter's doing now with it, I don't know. It's, it's cash grab at this point. It's, same thing with Jason. You know, I love new Jason movies. I, I like to see how they invent kills with them and stuff. But you know, this new one sounds terrible. At the same token, it's like when is it come? Is it come out this year or next year? Probably next year. I don't see anything happening right now with it. Um, 
they would have already started teasing stuff. I think it's June of next year, Friday the thirteenth. Um, but let's find out, kids. It's not like everything's already been done or anything, but with those characters, it has. There's nothing else they can do except for just keep remaking the same one movie or two first two sequels over and over and over. And you know, everyone loves the characters, but everyone wants to. Like live in the past, but see the same thing with different people. I don't. I don't get that. I can watch if I want to watch Friday Thirteenth or Michael Myers. I don't want more of it. I just want what I already have. I can be like, yeah, I want to see that shit. But uh, you know, will I watch a new Halloween when it comes out? If it's not Rob Zombie or Eli Roth doing it, yes, I'll go watch it. If it's, um, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, if they make a new one, am I going to go check it out? Probably. I went and saw Jason X in theaters, for Christ's sake, so I'm going to go watch whatever other one they put out. If I can sit through that in theaters and laugh my balls off, then I'll go watch the new Friday 13th, whatever. <clears throat> but I don't see anything in here about it. You know, am I going to be impressed or am I, you know, I don't know. But I just don't need it, is what I'm saying. Is I'm completely okay with how many Jason movies and Freddy movies and all that shit that they made already, and I don't really... I'm not demanding anymore like a lot of other people are because I can watch the old ones and be perfectly fine with it. So that's my two cents on that. So gore Christ out, folks. But I mean, I don't, you know, a lot of zombies right here. Looks like a chick. Um. I guess, you know, they're wanting to... They're, they're always going to try to do a cash grab on something. Especially slashers, because people aren't really trying to make new horror that's good. Or even new slashers, and if they do, it's a rehash of... It's like, oh, it's a mix of Jason and, and Freddy put together. It's like, I don't care, you know. Come up with something new, it's not hard. It's like... Look at my bloody Valentine. You just have a minor dude like hacking horrible. people up. Yeah, but the car- you know, the the slasher is a cool idea. You know, um, the movie's horrible. What's weird about those those? I, I'm actually glad you brought that up. I don't like the new one or the original. Yeah, they're really boring. Um, Night of Living Dead, the original, runs marathons around how slow that one is. It's pretty bad. I mean, I I, I went and watched. Getting 3D, the my Valentine. The new one? Yeah. The new one's a fucking. And I went and turd. watched it. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But I went and watched it, and everybody's like, this fuck good. Rob man. Zombie was like, yeah, Rob oh. Tomatoes said it's good. Yeah, yeah. And Roger Ebert gives it three thumbs up. You know. It's one of those things where it's like, it was interesting because I never. I never understood. We can. Uh, I never understood why uh, I don't know I, I guess I just never understood any of that I don't understand how you know people can think something that I love is garbage and they think all this other stuff that I think is garbage is great but I don't know. Just, so, so people are completely different yeah because one person can be like you know uh Season of the Witch is garbage, but I love those Rob Zombie movies. It's like, well, that makes. I've had sense. people tell me that. I know most most people tell me that. 
Like, I've never seen it, actually, but I'm going to tell you that it sucks. Well, you know, you get a lot of people that just think they're experts on everything, too. You know, they they have no basis to back up anything that they're saying, but they're experts of everything. Look, we're not experts on everything we say, but, I mean, we're fans of all this stuff. We wouldn't do it if we weren't. So, I mean, our opinions are pretty validated based on what we have seen and what we like. I've been around a long time. I like to think some of my stuff's valid. If it's not, whatever, I don't really care. I think we're valid. If you want to go... If you want to go jack off and watch Star Trek Beyond, you know, <laughs> you're just a fucking moron. You need to die, but you know, whatever. It's the same people that like those Rob Zombie movies. People that are lights off. Yeah, people that just, lights off. People that just like whatever's thrown down their throat. You know, they don't have, they don't even think about it or really pay attention if it's good or not. They're just kind of like, yeah, man. Like, did you actually sit there and watch the Star Trek movie? And think about what you were watching and like look around when the movie was playing and be like, this is cool right now, what's going on? Or are you just like blindly staring at the screen until it's over? Then you're like, yeah, man, it was good. I was I was playing Pokemon the whole time. Right. And you're like, you didn't like that movie. You were on your fucking phone the whole I time. I think a lot of people just do whatever, you know. That's what I'm saying. People just agree to disagree with things and don't have a fucking pair of nuts and they're just like, no, I hated it. Everyone has to like everything. That's... On television, at them, you know. Yeah, I like Walking Dead. I like the Blacklist. I like the Spartacus. It's like, why? You don't even watch those shows, but you like them. I like Orange Is the New Black. I like Luke Cage. I like Supergirl. It's like, look, it's cool if you really do like all those shows and you're really into all that stuff. But I doubt it. It's like I, you know, people just like what they're told to like. And that's not what we're about, kids. We're not about what you're forced or told to like. This is death metal country. This is horror movie country here. We like what we like. And that's the point. You gotta like what you like, not what... You know, your friends on Twitter tell you to like. You know... Just be more mindful of what's going on or what you're paying attention to. Because you might be like, hey, why the fuck do I even like this? And then you'd be too scared to admit it that you don't actually. And here we go back to the back to the film. Finally, we're about to get the mother-daughter reunion here from the grave. Oh, they do okay. That was a nice ode to the original. She like just straight up bites her jugular instead of grabbing the trowel and like fucking stabbing her to death. And the, the blood spurts over top of the trowel. That's kind of... Funny Todd's whipping ass. Yeah, he is. So that was that was cool. They didn't... She didn't pick up the weapon, but, like, blood spurted on it against the wall where it was hanging, and that was pretty cool. So... I thought they were going to get the actual stab back, but they, they rewrote it and tried to... You know... They kind of shortened that scene. That scene was really long in the original. <clears throat> it was a big build-up to her walking towards her mom with the thing and she's like what are you doing are you okay are you okay and then she just starts stabbing her and you're like holy fuck it's pretty pretty visceral scene in the original film probably my my favorite part besides the end where no, I pay for internet and for some reason my internet never wants to work here I don't know why this place is a fucking prison that's why I'm serious it doesn't make any goddamn sense okay fucking awesome Oh, shit, fuck. I'm so close to having this. What is it? Surprise. 
Huh? It's a surprise. Oh. For you and everybody listening. <laughs> How much time you got left on it? What? The thing. It won't fucking play because I, I don't know what is the up with the internet. Even when you, when everything was working, it doesn't want to work. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Antonio Todd is like Steven Seagal in this movie. It's like flipping zombies over his shoulder and cracking their necks. And it's pretty awesome. Pile driving them in back into that the grave. That's not what I wanted. That's what I want. So fucking close. <laughs> well, they just hit a, a cop zombie, so they're trying to get his gun. Smart. What is wrong with this? There's some somebody somewhere around in here has some kind of a firewall or something. Because it, it's done this. There we go. <laughs> what is that? I don't think it's going to play. I've been trying to get this thing to play for 20 minutes. So the Tony Todd is about to shoot. Oh shit. Harry's not having it. He's a f- like, that's my little girl. It's like, not anymore. Have you ever read the Bible? I, well, I read parts of it from my religion. And it chokes right at that. Damn it. Jesus Christ is gnarly looking. From the Bible's description, I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. Anyway. <laughs> That's that's what I deal with when I try to go to a show right, that, or a movie. That's, Corey that's, and I have to go in and it's I tell you what that that segment has been birthed on our podcast as of today. We have to have a segment called I Tell You What and it's It is I don't it's, know. We have to figure it out, but we'll do it. We'll do we it should. live. Or it's just like, alright, now it's time for I'll tell you what and then we just we tell you what Well it's just dealing with these fucking uh, Yeah, we could do that. It could be in a uh, stupid encounter with somebody. It's called I Tell You What pretty funny but uh, I don't know if we've ever plugged our own social media bullshit but um, if, if you guys listen to this and you have Twitter or Facebook I can't get on mine so mine's pointless follow us at Phantasm Podcast it's that simple facebook.com slash phantasm podcast oh cool F-A-N-T-S-A-M you know you know how to spell it and at Phantasm Podcast on Twitter or you can uh, go to YouTube, youtube.com slash phantasmpodcast. I've been trying to put some stuff on there. Yep. I got a Cat in the Brain interview, uh, uh, review on there, sorry. Uh, when I did the unboxing for the Blu-ray. Uh, Corey fo- interviewed himself on that. <laughs> Following up on that, I did not, was not impressed with the Blu-ray print. I think it's a, uh, actually just, it looks like the DVD to me, so... Uh, hey, not, but it's not, only forty dollars on Amazon right now. <laughs> not much, it's a great deal. Yeah, not much uh, difference really from the DVD. I, I haven't tried to pop in the DVD that came with it or my old one. Comparison, you know, do a comparison with the Blu-ray, but it's not far off. I, I realize that that movie is not taken care of, and 
It's got a, a lot of scenes in there from movies that they definitely will never have on Blu-ray by themselves. They're just old fucking Fulci movies or movies Fulci produced. Um, so yeah, that's on our YouTube page. I think we got the the Brian interview on there. Um, it's a pain in the ass for me to just make a video of all these episodes. I'm trying to just do all the interview ones we've done and put them up there for you guys. So if you're a YouTuber, you know you can just go ahead and go on our YouTube and listen to it on there if you don't have iTunes or you don't want to use SoundCloud because you hate it, whatever. Uh, try to have... Are we the, up or down on SoundCloud right now? We're up. We're good. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. Cool. We just... Uh, cool. I try to make it easy for you guys so that you have everything and at your disposal so that way, you know, if one thing shits the bed, you have another source to listen to us so you're never cast out. Um... Also, if you have an iPhone, you can get the podcasts app, and we're on there too. So, oh, cool. any podcast app, whatever you have, we're on there. So just look us up, and uh, you know, give us social media some love, and retweet our shit, share our shit, uh, give us some feedback and stuff. Um, let us know what you think of the interviews so far. Uh, I thought they've been pretty stellar. Uh, had a lot of fun it's been an honor and a privilege to get the people we've gotten and uh it's been a real treat for me and the doctor to uh get to pick the brains of these uh, mu- you know musicians as well as uh some you know sean clark from horrors hollow ground i mean the, the, nice addition. the other horror stuff will come in time it's just you know we're doing this by the seat of our pants it's like it's not you know yeah, you know, it's not funded. We it's work privately as, funded, and we work just like everyone else. And we have schedules. We have to work around other people's schedules to get stuff finalized and done, just like anything else. So uh, we appreciate all the support you guys have given us so far, and and thank you for sticking around and uh, you know looking forward to what we have to bring you, and you know we're looking forward to bring you even more every sure. week. So. Um, you know, once again, thank you for believing in us and continuing to believe in us and just follow this fucking crazy train wherever it's going. So, yep. Um, crazy. That's how Corey goes. <laughs> Millions of people don't listen to us. Oh, anyway. <laughs> oh, shit. And you can find me on social media at none of your fucking business. I don't exist dot com. <laughs> Or I'd find Twitter flush me down the toilet dot com. Yeah. You cannot find us technically. You can find those things for the podcast, but we do not exist, especially me. I'm a fucking ghost that Corey finds and summons and then I show up and then I disappear. Yep. That's alright, you're around as long as I need you. Exactly. Which is okay. Because that could be any amount of time. Cool man, I hope so. Hope it's for a long time. Hopefully, you want me around. And yeah. Well, you got nothing to do in your nether world. I don't think. No, I don't. Just, just no. exhuming bodies, man. That's all I do. Speaking of, I mean, this is pretty cool. I don't know. You're just eating bugs instead of flesh. It's interesting. It's kind of fun. But I, a lot of again to go back to this, the the print of this film. A lot of people had a problem with the blue hue on it. I don't. I think it's awesome. I like it. It adds something to the film. It well, if you see the right, the standard of this, uh, the I didn't like it. It's it's way too bright. Yeah, like this whole scene is lit. I don't know why people 
Because uh, it ain't what they remember. I don't know. It's I don't know. It looks fine. It, it adds. Some, Again, it was done by the cinematographer. It adds with something. Savini, your adds, favorite person, and they did it. And it adds uh, something. You know, it, it makes it darker, but not in a sense of the color, but the vibe. Because blue, and, and movies insinuates you know dread or death or you know. Yeah. For those of you who need you know. And this scene is not blue. There's really no blue in this scene at all. So, it's, it varies. But in the darker scenes, of course, it's very blue. But I don't know why that make or breaks this film for people. It's just like... It does. I don't know why people have such a problem with it. It seems like... I think, I think uh, like, one reviewer guy brought it up on a magazine or somewhere, and then someone read it. And then probably it, bloody disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it, then it blew up, and everybody's like, yeah, that is dumb. It's like, you would have noticed it unless this hack said something about it. So Well, They're you like, know... like, yeah, it is dumb. It's like nobody I've never it. understood how some, some of this stuff gets... Uh, it's like you watch James Wan movies. All his movies are blue hue. Hell? So... What hell's wrong? That's right. Toodle doesn't like the blue hue. Lay down. Lay down. Big hairy butt. Lay down. Lay down. There you go. Now I get my foot and feet down. Uh, but yeah, the I don't know. Uh, I'll if you guys do this, I've skimmed through some other horror. Th- I'm just not impressed with a lot of horror sites. I think they're a fucking joke. And I'll tell you one that I wanted to specifically pick on that I think went to shit is Fangoria. I don't even think that's a credible thing anymore. It just went to Do shit. Do they make magazines anymore? I don't know. It just now went to shit. I, I really just now it's Rumor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we got we got the we got the chick from uh, from uh, in this moment on the cover, and we're gonna show you guys lots out. It's like that's not horror. That's stupid. I don't know the stuff that it seems it's, and I think that magazine's Canadian, isn't it? It's something yeah, weird. Something like it's that. something. But you know, whatever. I, and it's fine. People want to. You know, the, the only thing that I'll ever say about that magazine, I'm not sure if that was that magazine or that this other one. I like that they showed all the Blu-rays that were out for that yeah. month. I thought that was cool. It was actually a cool. picture and a little review. I thought that was cool. But and some of those focus too much on like toys and all this other stuff. And look, guys, I'm a huge fan of action figures. But it's like there's also appointments like I don't need to see. A fucking you know Hellraiser pop vinyl. It's like I don't fucking care. <laughs> especially if it's what haven't they made that's pop vinyl? It's like I don't give a shit. Especially if it's something like Fangoria who's coveted by like cult horror fans, and then it's like get her a cute little Funko Pop. It's like that those takes away from the horror movie part of it. Like, look, I have pop vinyls, but do I have any horror movie ones to ruin that? No. Well, wow, that's a cuss word. Jesus, goddamn, holy love and shit is what he said. <laughs> Like, do you see any horror pop vinyls sitting around? No. So. No, that had nothing to do with you. I'm just talking about you. They, I know, but those Why they all, would review something like that. Or I'm not discrediting. It shows I'm not going to discredit horror movies. Like, you know, I'm not going to display it in my home. Because I think they all look really dumb. Because I take the horror movies pretty damn seriously. So, to have like a little cute little Jason Funka pop with little fake blood spurts. You know, the only one so. that they made of him that I thought was cool, it's actually the only horror one that I've ever seen that I thought was cool. They made a Jason without the mask. That's pretty funny. Oh, it is. If you've never seen it, actually See, is. that you can pull off, but with the mask, I don't know. 
Because they all just got those little beady eyes. There's like a leather face one. It's like, look, he's cute. Like, that's stupid. It doesn't need to be done with horror movies. This is fucked up right here, I thought. <laughs> it's like, just fucking kill it. Uh, they're in the circle pit with the with the zombie. Look, it's Maryland Death Fest. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Come on, man. Camel dick's about to come on. You're... Camel saw that cut of off that carnage. <laughs> and folks, if you've been following along this whole time, we haven't even given you a uh, time update. But if you start, if you press play, as soon the as doctor will start right now. We're on. You've a, got eight minutes left of this fucker. It's a minute and twenty sec, uh, an hour and twenty seconds, thirty. Fuck. An hour and twenty minutes. Thirty. Hour and twenty seconds. minutes, thirty-eight seconds. Goddamn. Another. <laughs> we got the zombies hanging upside down. They're at Maryland Death Fest. This is where the. The tie vendor right here making the egg rolls. <laughs> you know, that's something just to touch on that one more time. What I don't understand about <clears throat> going to any kind of a festival thing. I don't want to get loaded around a bunch of people I don't want to be around anyway. Yeah. When I get loaded, if anybody out there even gives a shit, when I get loaded, I'm <laughs> doing it to relax or to get away from something. Yeah. So I. I'm not going to put myself in a place where I'm really want to going to not deal with people, you know. Especially a lot of people. Oh yeah, man. No, thank you. I don't want to fucking deal with that. That's kind of funny. I mean, you can. People want to, you know. I whatever. That's fine. I, I get that. And like I said, and we've even done it, even with VIP treatment. I still am like, eh. I just don't. I can't. So I do said it. the other day. I don't know if I said it on the podcast or not, but. I said, even even for a year's subscription to Amazon Prime, for free, I wouldn't do it. No. <laughs> it's just a funny saying. I don't know, now all the, the hicks have come out of the woodwork and they're killing all the zombies. And Barbara's held out. She's survived. No, all the, the hicks are looting the house. <clears throat> There's hardly anything left of this movie. Mullets and all, they're they're just trying to find something to shoot. Or chainsaw. Really, it's a wooden door, they couldn't just kick it open. Well, remember, they had boarded that up. Oh, yeah. And there is Ben. He He's is zombified. A yeah. He looks pretty scary. It looks like a fucking leather sofa. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a fucking like leather couch or something. Jesus. Yep. Hated that. Mm I don't know why she survives. It was like that's another thing, and I want to talk about this a second to stop listening. Not the fans, but the fucking Xbox. <laughs> Stop listening. Damn it. Something I never liked. <laughs> and this is something I don't like about George Romero as a filmmaker. I always felt like he tried to... I don't know. I felt like he's trying to be politically correct in some of his films. And I don't like that. He was, but at the time that he made some of his films, 
There, I'm not talking about Night of the Living Dead. I'm talking about like this, uh, Day of the Dead, the whole badass woman thing, and the whole. Uh, it, it turns me off as a fan. Yeah, it's not done as a natural script progression. He's doing it to make some kind of a public statement. I don't like it. I don't like when anybody does that. And that's one thing. That's my only gripe about him as a filmmaker. Because I know you and Julia are big fans of his. I'm not a big fan. And that's one of the reasons. Because it's in a lot of his movies. And I don't like that. I don't know why he does that. But he always picks like an ethnicity or something to make it like... It's like, like, okay, you're beating me with your politically correct hammer. I don't need it in a (laughs) horror film. I get that. Uh, someone that's also guilty of that, that that I also don't like, is John Carpenter does that as well. Yeah, and I find it offensive because I, I feel like they're going, everybody's dumb except me. Let me hit you with my politically correct hammer. <laughs> you know, it's just I just think it's unnecessary. Yeah, you know, it's just it's and you, you know even if you'd never told me. Uh, before we started watching this, because I didn't know that he had wrote the script for this, you can tell because it's one of those things where it's like, it's just so. A woman lives and she's strong. It's the same reason I won't watch those fucking uh, Resident Evil movies. It's like I, I don't need to see some badass girl flying through a thing in a leather thong. It's like I don't <laughs> fucking care. I want to see a girl in a leather thong. I'll watch her get fucked in a porno. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I like this movie. It has a good pace to it. I could do without... I thought him killing him when he had a chance to rewrite it was kind of stupid. Yeah. But it's different. <clears throat> but I think this movie flows way better. Yeah. it's. But it's also this movie had a bigger budget. It's later down the road. So he got a second chance to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got a lot of things working for it, I think. And there's a lot of people that don't like this film because it's a Tom remake. Tom Savini hates me, so... <clears throat> was, I, I, that aside, not even, you know... I know, but he was like... Was, I don't know, it's funny. I'm going to reshoot it again and kill Corey at the end of it. <laughs> I'm going to kill him with that Knight Rider's Blu-ray. <laughs> Chop his head off with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, But, you know... It's just going to be me the whole movie drinking scotch and... It is what it is, I don't... Ruining people's Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, I like this movie. I think it's good. It was um, good. I enjoyed it actually. I'm glad you did. Of course, guys. Now we have uh, in just a few seconds here. We'll have uh, Lee from Monstrosity, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. I'm thrilled to have had him come on finally. We've <clears throat> been talking about doing this for a bit now, and we had him on, and I'm really happy with it. I hope he's happy with it. And, Hopefully you guys will enjoy it, and uh, as much as Corey and I did interviewing him, it's a, he's a legend in the death metal genre, as far as I'm concerned. And a band that doesn't get any credit out of the other overrated crap, in yeah. my opinion, in death metal, I think they're pioneers of it. They're top shelf, man. It is. It's it's quality shit, and he it's never. Top shelf I don't shelf. think he ever really cared anything about. Uh, <clears throat> Cashing in, the guy's true to his. He's art all form. about just true to his art playing, form, man. True yeah. to his art form. I think he, that's he loves jamming. He loves it screams it. In that he interview. loves he loves <laughs> writing stuff with other people and just getting stuff definitely, out. Definitely, definitely. Uh, he's really into it. So you know, but before we get into that, uh, we first have to do our final thoughts. 
So first impression, I really like this movie. I uh, the remake of Night of Living Dead, uh, nineteen ninety. It's very good. It's I don't know what it is. I just really enjoyed the pace of it. It's a lot more. Uh, the dialogue is a lot more modern, I guess, and there's a lot more dialogue. Period, because there wasn't a whole lot in the original film, and uh, it's not like it's it's actually way less gorier and bloodier. There's not much there with that, which is fine. You know, the original film didn't really need any of that, but there was a little bit of it. But in this film, there's really not. So, uh, you know, that's kind of cool. They use the they saved the effects for, like, how the zombies actually looked, and, uh, you know, the acting was, was pretty pristine, so that that's where it shined in this film. Kind of proved, even in 1990, that, you know, you don't need all this gore and stuff to make a zombie film. You can just have, you know, a good cast, a solid cast, and uh, some good makeup effects, and, uh, you know, faster-paced script, and there you go, you know. I think it was pretty, pretty, pretty decent film. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked it. It was. <clears throat> it just reminds me of me and my buddy Matt, <clears throat> um, who I mentioned in this podcast, a friend I lost uh, to cancer in '07. But we had skipped school and went and watched that film. It's always fun to watch. It's one of the ones I had to have. Yeah, it was fun. Is it? You know, it's just, I don't know, it's a special film to me more. I think it's more nostalgic, but uh, I like it. I don't. But while I was watching it, I wasn't bored, but I wasn't, like, really intrigued, but I was enjoying what I was seeing. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, yeah, it's just a, you're not, it's got a good pace. You're not, not at the edge of your, you're not at the edge of your seat, but no, I'm also no, not, no, no. I'm also not the end of my bed, like, asleep. But I'm so. not that way on a lot of stuff. I'm not that, yeah. man, there's not a zombie film that has me like that, so. Yeah, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it's like what you can expect from a zombie film. It's actually cleaner. <clears throat> it's not what you'd expect. You know, it's not like over the top gore. It's not crazy. You know, there's headshots and there's blood, but there's not. Right. It's not over the top by any means. But nope. the, the acting's really good and it's fun. And yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, you didn't watch it with us, but you've been listening, go fucking check it out. Um, you can get that Euro copy or, you know, it's on DVD somewhere, however you watch your shit. Uh, we strictly do Blu-ray here. Watched the uh, one of 3,000 copies in Twilight Time, so thank you, Doctor, for prescribing that today. That's right, thank you. And uh, we'd like to thank you guys for sticking around, and even if you skip past all this just to get to the interview, either way, this needs to be heard. And uh, we now bring you Lee Harrison and Monstrosity here exclusively on the Phantasm Podcast. This is Corey Gorkreis saying, stay gory. We are here with Lee Harrison from Monstrosity. What's going on, man? How's it going, brother? Doing good. A long time coming, man. Happy to have you on here. I'm a huge fan, been a fan forever. I've actually got all my CDs here with me. It's quite really the cool. quite the stack. Yep. And you actually have all of them out. It's like the guys got a lot of shit. <laughs> well, it's a lot of work I put into that stuff, I can tell you that. Man, yeah, we man, you're a huge fan. I nasty behind the kit. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> it's 
think you guys are unsung, and that's why we wanted you on here. You're one of my favorite bands. Uh, just kind of jump right into this. Uh, do you like to do a brief history of uh, Monstrosity? Sure. Um, we formed in August of 90, kind of out of the ashes of Malevolent Creation. Um, three out of four of us were in Malevolent. And it just kind of worked up where we ended up doing Monstrosity. And when, uh, I had found George in between, and we brought him down. We did a, our first show with Massacre in West Palm Beach, a place called 21 North. Okay. That's killer, man. And it went horrible. It was, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Um, well, we changed the set around at the last minute, you know, so we like, put one of our harder songs kind of in the beginning, and it just, we said so we got off to a bad start. Right. I played horribly, I know that. And <laughs> well, you guys were up for the challenge earlier. Right. So basically our second show was kind of a redemption show. We played with Malevolent and Deicide at the same venue. Awesome. And, uh, we just like had gone to the woodshed and really practiced and like just kind of went nuts with it and then uh, so we came back to the second show and really killed it you know right and then so then the, the promoter from that show he's like hey what are you guys doing tomorrow you know you want to go open for Pantera in Orlando and so we're like cool yeah. <laughs> damn that's, that's crazy that's a, now was that was that Cowboys yeah Cowboys from Outdoor and uh, it was our third gig and it was kind of right after we formed, you know, pretty much. So, um, we had done, done that. We had the whole Infinity demo done. That was just starting to get out and circulate. And we were so happy with how it came out. Like, even the rough mix. We were already sending the rough mix out before it was finished. Just okay. We wanted oh, yeah. And then when we went to finish it, we just couldn't get it to sound like that raw, brutal that we liked. And, and so we just went with the rough mix. And uh, and I ended up losing the tapes when we moved. And I left them in the closet, and we had just a million things. And oh, was, the place was kind of a disaster, and just got kind of forgotten and left behind, and never be seen again. So, right. Was, I had it from a cassette. Basically, we transferred it and did the little EQ and then boosted it more. So, and we did the enslaving masses release. Okay. So that's how I kind of got saved from that, but. You know, that was our original sound. We liked that, like when, when like the scream for Horror Infinity, you know, people just raved about it, and like everybody loved George from that scream only, you know, or just like that scream alone. Right. That whole first, like, 20 seconds of the demo version of Horror Infinity was like, you know, that was kind of what we were about, and what, you know, it was killer. Oh, yeah. And we had a real hard time <coughs> recapturing it on Imperial Doom, you know, it was just like we had played it slower a little bit, and just the never came out right we did it several times I mean it's okay but it just compared for us personally you know the demo was way better just you know even though the production wasn't as full and maybe as big yeah of course just the, the performance and the attitude and all that just came across better on the demo as it usually does yeah you guys are probably more, a little more <coughs> amped up to get that out and, you know. yeah a little looser maybe not quite so nervous but right we're pretty nervous, though, like, you know, just <laughs> being in the studio and, like, knowing that we were, you know, I had to come off, like, you know, just knowing that we had to do it in one take. There was no, you know, we just didn't have time, really. Right. And we are just trying to get as much done as we could and, like, the amount of time we had. And we, at that point, we were in such, 
know. You just grinded it out. We just did have a budget, you know, and shoestring budget. So, <laughs> so with Imperial Doom, can you talk a little bit about the recording process on that? Well, okay, so after we did one Kennedy, we just basically sent that out throughout the underground, like people with Roadrunner, we were trying to get with them. Okay. Awesome. We knew a lot of the key players and stuff, so we kind of we had kind of the buzz built up, and Roadrunner ended up recommending us to Nuclear Blast, and that's we ended up with them really quick. Like within six months, we had our record deal forming, and uh, so that was like you know we formed in August. By December, we were doing War Infinity, January and stuff. We were sending it out, and that was when we did the Pantera shows and the new. I've still got my original CD in my hand. It's fun talking to you about this. <laughs> right on. So, uh, yeah, we did the bass and drums in three days. I uh, just turned 21. Wow. Oh, wow. Trying. I was kind of, you know, it was our first time in a real big studio like that. And, you know, you think you know it all. And you just get in there and it's a whole different world you know because it's, oh, yeah. um, it's real you know clean stale sounding and it's just you're not used to hearing things like that with like perfectly tuned drums and like you know you're used to being in a loud warehouse with just you know, real acoustics and so that was kind of a different thing you know and and we made it through it James Murphy came in I'm awesome. remember that oh that's cool Oh, also had uh, Jason Goble from Cynic uh, help you guys. Jason right was there, yeah, he played. And that was kind of cool how we brought him last minute because, you know, we we didn't have a good player. And I don't really know why we wanted one so bad. I mean, we could have got away with John, but uh, right. for whatever reason, we just thought it was a good idea to bring Jason Goble in. And he wasn't doing anything with Cynic because they were doing the, Tom and Sean were doing the death thing. Tony Choi was doing Pestilence or Atheist, whichever one. And you had, you had Mark in the band from... Uh, and we had been chasing <laughs> Goal, you know. We were, it's crazy. You know, Mark Van Erp was in Stenic before that, so, right. we, you know, we were all hanging out, so we were all buddies. We lived in this warehouse, me and Mark Van Erp lived in this warehouse where Stenic practiced, and oh, yeah. I was in a band called KGB, and we, we was down in, uh, like, Tamiami Airport. Down there was, like, some warehouses in Miami. Awesome. And uh, we lived down there, and we just... But cheap, you know, because eight eight people spent in the warehouse, and it was like fifty bucks a month, you know. And so we could live there, you know, for fifty bucks a month. You know, we had practice all day, keep an eye on the equipment, so nobody would rob the equipment. And, you know, it was kind of a better deal, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were young then, and we were just hungry for it. So we practiced a lot. So anyway, uh, so then after after Imperial Doom happened, we ended up moving to Tampa. And then we lost, kind of lost John Rubin on that one. He just wasn't up for the move, ultimately. And right. kind of the rest of us 
and me and Dan Earl planned to move into Tampa at that point, and we, you know, already started moving, and it took us like six months to get really settled in and get a new place to jam, and, you know, everybody sure. situated. Now, you guys ended up uh, touring Europe for the Imperial, right? Right, yeah, that was, that was a pretty rough deal, you know, another, another thing when you're young and you just, you know, you think you know the business, but you have no clue, you know? <laughs> That's a great album. <clears throat> That's a hell of a bill, too, both you guys on it. Lee, I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> on on Imperial, while we're still with that, the songwriting on that, was who was, uh, was that you, was that? Well, like, yeah, the first song we wrote was Definitive Inquisition, and that was me and Van Earp, basically, like, that, that was, in, like, I had, like, in my time off from 11, like, I was in 11 in 89, and then, like, October 89, I left the band, did my last, did the last show with Morbid Angel, who was right before Alters came out. Um, nice. And uh, I didn't know you played with them. That's really interesting. Yeah, we opened up for them. It was Malolo and uh, Morbid Angel. Oh, cool. And we brought them a bitch right now. We brought a bunch of bands down to Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, but then I left Malolo, and for a minute there, I was gonna try to work with atheists because their drummer was going off to college but then that didn't work out so I was doing my solo project which I kind of was doing anyway I was you know just writing songs on the side just for fun playing with a four track recorder nice and so some of those like I ended up writing like nine songs and then I ended up like plucking you know kind of my best riffs from that for the uh, Imperial Doom songs and there were some of them like Immense Malignancy like that whole first half of all that bit. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That was from the submission. It was called Submission. It was from that demo or whatever. Final Cremation. It's kind of like Words in the Middle End or whatever. Like that was from there. It's fucking classic. So basically, me and Van Earp would like he'd throw up a riff and I'd match him a riff, you know, kind of in the first, in the beginning, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, first song, first song was definitive, and then the second song was Bird and Beetle, and those were two, those two were the first songs, and then uh, and then Malignancy was after that, and then uh, so it would have been Horror Infinity, and we kind of like put Horror Infinity together right as we were about to do the demo, right? Because we had Final Cremation was the first song written after the demo. I remember that. Okay. We had it written. We were going to try to record it, but it was so new that we just didn't bother. 
It's <laughs> good show. So we had fire cremation by December of ninety, but that was kind of like one of the you know that would have been we wrote five more after Horn Feather, so nice. We wrote four after that. Then then it was darkest, vicious ceremonial imperial. Uh, and ceremonial void was kind of a compilation of all of us. You know, Jason Goble had like some of that middle stuff was Jason Goble that oh, okay. kind of off the real off time like blast beat thing that was Jason Goble's riff. And singing a dig a dig a dun a dig a dun a dun a dig a dig a dun a dig a dun a dun a dig a dig a dun a dig a dun a dun a That's Jason Goble. Okay. And then, like, the da 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 I think that was Van Earth, because that was just like a tall Van Earth spider riff, you know, <laughs> big old fingers and hands, you know. Right. That's, like, right up his alley. And then just, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
and you know Jim and Tom Morris those guys are phenomenal they're really you know those guys are smart guys right playing around (laughs) so it was you know part of it was you know it took me you know especially on Imperial Doom you know to trust them you know to be able to just you know like go with what they say instead of like hearing it my way you know and it was a hard lesson you know I really you know I can't listen to Imperial Doom and stuff like that you know, the mix is horrible and you know it's my fault but you know I just wish you know we had a little more time with it and you know I wasn't so young and dumb <laughs> right. you know, we're listening to these you know listening, we're mixing for those speakers you know what I mean and we just <laughs> weren't familiar with those speakers I'm used to listening on whatever I listen to at home and it sounds that way and so you get in in the room and the EQs are all changing around so like everything's you know, everything's all different. Now, you you know, it sounds good. You know, we were, at the time, we were real blasty hungry. You know, we loved hearing the snare and the blast. You know, oh, so yeah. you're like, crank that snare. Yeah, no, crank I'm that still snare. like that. But <laughs> I just, yeah, we're both I big love, fans of love that. Love some fucking blast, man. I don't know what it is. Just always. So that snare is just way yeah. too loud. The drum, you know, you can't, like, certain riffs, like the blast beat riffs, you can't even hear the guitar riffs yeah. underneath. I mean, that's yeah. a shame, you know. Yeah. Those songs are great, you know. The songs themselves are phenomenal songs, but you know, it, at the time, you know, I was proud of it and I liked it and all. But you know, I remember, I know for sure. I remember walking like out of the studio and we drove like ten minutes down the road to this girl's apartment where we were all staying. And uh, I remember putting the cassette in and listening. And I go, like, I knew immediately. Oh, we made a mistake, you know. <laughs> Whatever. I think it's a classic. I love it, man. I remember when I bought it. I bought it at a Camelot. Yeah. Which Corey Corey won't remember. No. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, baby it's baby when that shit. It's up. uh, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, move on next to uh, if you want to talk about Millennium.
doing like a couple shows with Mark English and then we were looking for a different player. Right. And we had, a, we, had a, we had this local guy named Chuck for a minute and he was, he was, he was a good player but he was drinking too much and he was partying too much. Huh. But we still used, we ended up doing one like small show with him and just, he pretty much proved that he wasn't going to be able to handle it. Right. And so, and at the same time, we had just gotten a set tape in the mail from Jason Morgan and it was like four songs from Imperial, pretty much note for note, you know. Right. It was kind of impressive, you know, because nothing, you know, I mean, sure, he could have dubbed it in, you know, he might have punched in or whatever, maybe it's all fixed up, we didn't know, but. somebody to be able to come in and you know have our songs down like that and it sounded yeah. pretty right you know and like we're used to having to show everybody every little thing at that point you know one <laughs> was kind of a different world back then but yeah um so he jason morgan came down and he came in and like you know he was playing we were playing death covers like individual whatever first song gotta... we were playing that just goofing around and, um then you guys ended up with kelly from death Right, and now you know that was kind of another thing is that we had problems. You know, Vander had problems with the legal system, so he wasn't able to continue with the band. So, kind of last minute, we brought in Kelly Conlon, and uh, so you know the songs were written, everything was already done. So he was kind of a last minute addition to it. You know, even though like the songs had been written with Vander, Manic, Slaves and Masters. You know that was a lot of my, you know, mostly my song, but right. like there's like a lead riff or something he wrote. But and what was the other one? Uh, so, uh, Storm Winds was the other song. Yeah, that, that was more, more, mostly mine too. But <laughs> that was kind of the end of the Manor thing because you know he wrote, you know, Manic was a good. You know, that was mostly Manor. He he wrote some great riffs on that song. Oh yeah. And then, uh, Dream Messiah and Devious Instinct, Fatal Millennium, that was kind of me and Jason Morgan, that was kind of like the newer direction of, that we were going in, which was like kind of full board technical. Yeah. You know, which... Just ripping. Really, we, we didn't really realize it too much. We, I, I mean, it was, we kind of like started with that, you know, and then it, then we kind of got out of hand with it, you know, <laughs> and we pulled back the reins before recording, actually. It was, it was due to be crazy believe it or not manipulation strain like it, there's a whole crazy middle section in that song and like it was like way crazier it was like even more oh wow just twists and turns because as it's edited now it's pretty there's some like little off time things and it just kind of goes all over the place in a short amount of time so right. it was even more crazier before and uh, so we kind of pulled back the reins a little bit and tried to make it a little more song structured but you know we really didn't realize it until after finishing the album and, and actually going out and playing the album that it was so like you know disjointed it's, as far as like the odd time signatures and stuff it just flew over everybody's head you know and it just didn't translate well live at all believe it or not and right. it was kind of like you know, we kind of thought it was a dud, really. You know, I mean, not a dud, but um, you know, we thought it was a great album, but just I think the production's a little bit dry. We had some issues with the mixing. We ended up going down to Fort Lauderdale and, or Miami to uh, 
Criteria uh, Studios, mixed it down there, and is professional and as big and huge and world class as that studio was is whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> they they didn't know how to mix death metal. You know, ultimately they didn't understand the, the whole trigger and the kick drum concept. You know, mm-hmm. and the heavy kicks. So yeah. it kind of like it sounded a little flat, a little dry to us. You know, yeah. and, and the tracks are there. I remember, the, you know, the tracks definitely sounded great. But like with the final, the final product was a little dry. But I remember, you know, when we were playing the shows afterwards, just like those, you know, some of those songs just fly over people's head because of the hot time signature. So with Dark Purity, we kind of tried to straighten it out a little bit. You know, we still wanted to have that, but we wanted to have a lot more four-four parts too. Now you got Scott yeah. Burns on Millennium. <clears throat> did you like work, Did you like working with him? Say it again. Uh, Scott, that did you finally got to work with Scott uh, Millennium? Yeah, did you enjoy that? We got to work with Scott, and that was you know that was right when the whole cannibal thing went down, and, and uh, George was doing he'd do us you know in the morning, and or he'd do a song with them like on in the morning, and then do a song or two with us in the night. You know? Oh, he was recording. He was recording vile, basically, right? Yeah. Right. Wow. Do you now? Cool. Can I ask you? I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. I've never. I've seen you talk about it on the Cannibal DVD, but did they approach him at one of your old shows, or did they do that privately, or did you know all this was going well, down? Or the thing, you know, Rob Bear was living with me at the time. He was running room from me. That's and awesome. <laughs> so like Jordan was hanging out. All, you know, we were all buddies. Rob Bear was in the like that Cowboys from Hell show. Like Bear played that show with us. That's fucking awesome. Like, we wanted Bear to join, but, um, you know, he was dedicated to Solstice at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we understood, you know. So, like, he ended up, you know, doing, helping us out when he could, basically, and then doing the Solstice other than that. And then uh, when he got the Cannibal gig, we were all up in Tampa, and so I rented him a room for a year, I, don't, I can't remember, it might have been a few years, um, we were hanging out, you know, and, and we're old friends, and so he knew what was up with George, you know, he knew George's killer. Right. Uh, and, but at the time, I think Barrett had just moved out, and uh, George was back in Maryland, you know, because he, he never really, like, you know, he didn't want to get a job, he didn't drive, so like he would stay with us and then he would go back and he would come back, you know, stay with us for a few weeks and then go back. So he was kind of always up and down. Right. Oh, and then, and at that particular time he was up in Maryland and he called me, he was like, yeah, uh, Cannibal called me and they want me to join and I told him I'd do it. All right, cool, you know, no problem. <laughs> you know, and so then I called him back and was like, well, we're, you know, at least finish the album since we, we put so much work into it. Right. You know? Sure, yeah. Um, we were right there at the finish line, you know what I mean? Just go ahead and finish the album and, you know, then move on and we can figure out who we're going to get from there, you know? Right. kind of how we did it. And it wasn't too long. We, we tried one guy, a guy named Andy Shade, and uh, we tried him out. And then immediately after that, we, uh, Jason Avery called us and uh, from Eulogy. And uh, we 
tried him out and he worked out and so we were kind of back you know even before it was finished so we had Jason Avery do backups on Millennium he does like really huh I didn't know that he does like this word fragments is Jason Avery that's awesome oh okay um and so like we, you know he might have done a couple other things but so we like we were all hanging out you know we knew what was going on George and, George and Jason were hanging out everybody's cool you know what was the last show George did with you guys before he was like okay I can't you know I can't do both anymore um well he just finished what he had on the books basically which gotcha. was a Canadian Canadian show and and like Maybe one other on um, a New York show, maybe. Oh, okay. So there was like, I remember the Canadian, I think we missed the, the New York show. I think that ended up, we were late. We didn't make it in time. Okay. That might have been a different one. No, I, I confused. Because I was curious if that, I'm sure him doing that that messed up the touring cycle for Millennium or did it? Or did he do all that? Or? Uh, you know, not necessarily. Not I mean, it took us, you know. Took us a minute to get it going. We did like a Miami show on that Orlando show, where the first two shows with the new lineup, and then uh, from there, I think you know we started maybe doing a couple of awesome festivals: Michigan, um, Milwaukee. I think we did that. And nice. then, uh, I saw you guys at Milwaukee. I remember that. The Broken Hope tour. I saw the Broken Hope tour at. Uh, I saw that as well. And we did a bunch of shows on that one. We did a bunch of good shows too. We did like CD DVDs. We did Whiskey A Go Go. We did nice. uh, the Riviera in Chicago. Um, awesome. Some big shit. And like the Tampa show, they weren't even going to do a Tampa show. And I ended up throwing that together for like a Monday night. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> big night. Pretty huge. It was pretty cool. Now at this point, were you you're so you've got you've got Jason on vocals, and uh, yeah, Jason and then uh, Kelly on bass, Jason Morgan on guitar, and then uh, for Extremities that tour that was when we brought in Pat O'Brien, and uh, he was on second guitar. That's awesome. Okay, so the, now that uh, I'm sorry. We had this girl, this friend of ours that I had been writing with, uh, you know, maybe tape trading with, and she, like, she's like, yeah, I got this guitar player guy, I can't tell you who he is, because he's in a band right now, and, but, you know, he's looking for a gig, and he wants to, you know, wants to get with somebody, and it was Pat O'Brien, you know, and he had just left Nevermore. That's awesome. And so, we did that tour, and, um... Yeah, he was killer. And that's is this that's still Millennium, right? Yeah, that's ninety seven. Okay. Spring ninety seven. And at this point, are you riding in Dark Purity, or is that? Um, uh, not quite yet. Okay. No. Um. So we did the that Extremities tour, and things were with Jason Morgan. You know, he was another one where he didn't he didn't want to work. He didn't uh, drive. So, like, you know, you kind of had to put them up if you wanted them around. Right. Us, you know. And um, things were just coming ahead. He wanted to come back to Tennessee. He didn't really want to. He didn't like Florida. He always complained about Florida. Didn't okay. like the people here. And, 
he went back to Tennessee and we were kind of left looking for a guitar player. Um, we had this guy that Kelly knew from St. Augustine, Florida. Um, his name was Jamie Harris. Okay. And he did, uh, we did a show in Detroit with him and we did a show in Mexico City. Nice. And he ended up, like, we didn't really know him that well. And in the meantime, he had, he had run into some problems with, like, the law where he got busted. He kind of had a little a drug issue of some sort. And sure. uh, so he didn't really work out. And uh, it was funny, though. It was a funny period, I remember, because it was just his parents on this Christmas shop. And, <laughs> oh, God. And, and, and we used to have to call the Christmas shop to get a hold of him. <laughs> he was always working at the Christmas shop. And you know, it would be summertime and we're calling the Christmas shop. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's fucking hilarious. But he was a good guy and he was real funny and, and we, had, we had a good time with him. And, and so that Mexico show was good. And, and But there was, you know, so it didn't work out with a long story. And, uh, that, that was around the time we got Jay Fernandez. Awesome. And he, you know, he was from Brutality, but he had kind of, you know, Brutality had been broken up by then. Right. And whatever had happened with them. Jay was doing, he had done some other kind of rock, more rock band type stuff. Like, sure. you know, maybe whatever's going on in the radio. I don't know what it was. It was just more, you know, wasn't on death metal. Right. That way. So he was doing some other bands, but he was still, you know, he could still play and, and whatever. So, like, we were like, yeah, bring him in. So Jason called him, and we gave him the tablature we had, you know, so he could learn the songs, and he learned, you know, the, the Millennium songs and a few of the Imperial songs. We worked up a set, and then that's when we started writing, like, Angels Men Home and uh, the Dark Purity stuff. Awesome. I had Dark Purity, like, Dark Purity was already done I think I already had that written by myself right and then uh, one other song um, Dust to Dust was already done but it was kind of in the it was in the it was like in the back burner that one we weren't even going to put that on the album and All Souls Consumed was another one and what those two songs in particular weren't even going to be on the album for like the very last minute but they were written like way before you know um, but it was a case I'd just kind of forgotten about him and put him on the back burner and then I started writing with Jay we wrote uh, Angels Venom we wrote Suffering to the Conquered um, Jason Avery wrote Eye of Judgment and like he had that first riff and oh, okay. some of the other stuff um, Perpetual War was like my riffs like the do it the do it do it do it do it do it do it Good shit. It is. It's a great album. I love that record. I know it's. So that 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 song was mostly me. There's some Jay Fernandez, like the chorus is Jay Fernandez, and like maybe some of that middle section it was kind of both of us who collaborated on it. Okay. Um, and then like Shapeless Domination, that was something that I had. Um. I guess, uh, yeah. So that was basically a lot of me, Jay Fernandez, and uh, Jason Avery. That was kind of dark purity 
it was mostly us three. And then at the last minute, Jay Fernandez, like he stopped coming to practice and he just, I don't know, like hmm. he had girlfriend issues or something going on with that. I remember always trying to get him over to the house to practice and we just couldn't get him. And, eventually, and at the same time, Derek Roddy had referred me to Tony Norman and so I had Tony Norman at my doorstep, you know, and like, this guy's shredding it up and he's ready to go, he's all about it, you know, versus a guy that's, you know, not all about it. <laughs> right. I like Tony Norman. I thought he was an interesting player to have with you guys. Yeah, so then Tony kind of came in and he kind of cleaned up, like, um... Well, I take that back. We actually brought in Jason Morgan back for the album just because I didn't, I was so like insecure about what was going on. I just, you know, I didn't, I mean, we probably could have been fine with Tony Norman, but I just felt, you know, at least I know what I'm getting with, you know, Jason Morgan. Right. So, right. He's so killer. And, you know, so we ended up, he ended up, I ended up sending him like a set tape or whatever. And within like three days, he had like the whole album down and, he was down here and we were recording within like a week or so. Did you go back to more sound for that album? Yeah, yeah. And that was with Jim. Jim again. And at that point, I just, you know, I trusted Jim and I knew that if I just let Jim do what Jim does, that I would have a killer sounding album and that's exactly what happened. Oh yeah, it's a, that's a, it's, I think that's a really, uh, an overlooked masterpiece. I, it, in Dark Purity, that's Corey's favorite album, actually, is I In Dark Purity. It, yeah. uh, it's such a shitstorm, I love it. It's good. <laughs> you talk a little bit about the cover art. That's some interesting cover art on that one, Lee. Right. Okay, well, I, you know, everybody seems to complain about the cover art. Um, we think I it's, I th- we think it's cool. cool. I just was interested how it came about. I think it's neat. To be them pulling a soul out of an angel. Um, cool with Millennium, you know, we had, we tried to use this guy, uh, SV Bell, and like we sent him money, and we were like, do this, do that, do this, do that, and it just didn't work out. You see, great. We were just out of time, out of time, and somehow we ran across that Millennium cover, and it was more or less just go ahead and use it. You know, we, right. It was more out of necessity at that point. So with Dark Purity, we'd actually, uh, Jason had come into the, Avery had come into the band, and he was real like, conceptual and had like a lot of good ideas as far as trying to come up with these concepts and like sure you know things like that and he the guy that did the eulogy cover was uh, a guy named Eric Johnson and so we ended up going to Eric Johnson's one night and like hanging out with him and gave him gave him some ideas and then like a few like maybe a month later we went back over there and he had that whole in dark purity cover done and it was <laughs> That's crazy. Like, other, other than a few changes, you know, so that was, like, the first thing, you know, it was, like, nice to have, you know, we had that cover, like, done, like, way in advance, so yeah, that was, like, real nice, cover art's kind of a bitch, you know. Yeah. You know? It's an interesting, yeah, I, mean, co- I always thought it was, it's memorable, that it, it sticks out of my CD uh, collection, I think it's cool. It's almost like a death metal Iron Maiden cover, you know. Right. I it's think it's fucking cool. One of the comments on some video or whatever it's like oh it looks like a late 90s video game you know, it's, oh you know like photoshop thing <laughs> it's like it's probably what it is you know it's late 90s gee I wonder what you know it does but, look late know, 90s but me, it looks good like that you know and then with enslaving we liked how we you know it was Eric Johnson again the same guy and, and you know I'm, are you familiar 
fighting. We got it right here. It reminds me of a uh, nuclear assault. Uh, survive, yeah, yeah. Survive cover, almost. Well, what it is, it's the demo cover, you know, the whole infinity. Right. It's what it looks like. And it's kind of like, it kind of ties the concepts together for, to me. You know, yeah. It has that infinity theme, but it also, like, if, like the other panel of it has, like, the church burning in the distance, which yeah. is the Dark Purity Church. Yeah. The, the winged guy from Dark Purity is in sure. that. You know, so it kind of ties the it's colors a mix of together everything. to me. I like the uh, the color of the logo. That's probably my favorite. Like the green, like turquoise color. It's fucking, it's fucking bitch. All right. Cool. So uh, the yeah. and, and then uh, so for Rise to Power, we ended up using a guy out of uh, Poland. Um, and in Spiritual Apocalypse, we were going to use Eric Johnson again, and he submitted some, and we weren't crazy about it, and then. We ended up finding uh, David Ho, which was just some guy Mark English found, and I contacted him, and we ended up using that piece for Spiritual Apocalypse. So, you know, and now here we are again, and, and as it looks right now, it looks like our singer Mike Robichek's going to do the cover. Awesome. Really? That's crazy. But we've been, uh, we, we were contacted by the guy that does the ghost covers. Uh-huh. Huh. Um... And he did, he did some Behemoth, and he did, uh, like, a Paradise Lost. He's a pretty cool guy. So that was cool. We got contacted by him. I wouldn't mind working with him. But it's kind of a different style for us, so I don't know if, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if it would work or not. Right, y'all look like a, don't want to look like a pop band. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, my my favorite art is uh, Left Hand Path from Entombed. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Like yeah, the Seagrave. Like, the Seagrave C- thing, but, like, I always liked Seagrave when he had, like, a solid idea, like, the Malevolent Creation. Sure. Ten Commandments. That was, like, an idea that was oh. already... Or, you know, effigy at, or, uh, uh, you know... He just recreates it, you know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. our, our cover was cool, but just the concept was a little weak for me, you know, but... Right. I just thought, you know, like that dis- dismember, like an ever-flowing stream, that's a killer. Yeah. In left hand path, that's a killer. So, like, those are, like, to me, the pinnacle. And, like, everything, you know, I'm kind of picky with art. Like, everything else kind of sucks to me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that's funny. Actually, when I met him, I got a left-hand path print from him that he signed for me. So that's, that's my favorite cover he ever did. I'm with you with that. So the, you talk about the, if it's okay, we'll, we'll keep going here, the, uh, you want to talk about the tour cycle for In Dark Purity? Okay, yeah, for that we did, uh, we did like Milwaukee Metal Fest and that was horrible. Man. Oh shit. Huge, uh, big, big room, shock full of people, just a million people and like the, the drum trigger like totally messing up there. So it was oh, like, shit. just kind of like, it was horrible sounds. Oh, I'm sorry. But, but, it, but it was a good show. Everybody loved it. You know what I mean? But just for us, it was like... Right. Yeah. So if you can hear on your end, uh, you know, the fans are just yeah. going to raise hell and you're, but, you know... So we did that, and then uh, we did the Demo Borgers first tour of the U.S. Really? Demo huh. It's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Like, when they first came over to America, they didn't, they didn't really like America. I remember them bitching about it. You know, and then I think later on they eventually came around and we're like, oh, you know, I think they enjoyed it later on. But right. Then we got to meet Nick Barker and became good friends with him. And, sure. Um, 
Yeah, everybody was cool. Um, you oh, know, two guys, ML. <laughs> all good, man. I had a good time. Did like 30 shows, just, you know, all across the U.S. Wow. And uh, then after that, we did, uh, I think we did a headline run with this U.K. band called Desecration. Okay. That was pretty, that was pretty small, and, and at the time, like, uh, I remember we were going through some lineup issues and Avery wasn't as solid then. I remember that. Okay. And it wasn't long, it wasn't long after that we ended up bringing in this Tony Norman singer from South Carolina, this guy Bobby, and he did a great corpse grinder, I wouldn't say impression, but he just had that kind of, right. he could do that vocal style real good, the screams and the whole bit. Right. And he fin- did he finish the tour and Jason was dismissed? Yeah, he, we like ended up uh, we ended up doing like 30 shows with him but like we, were, we had like two weeks off and then we did a Morbid Angel show in Miami and then we had two weeks off after that and then we started another tour with Deed the Flash awesome. and so like so we came back from those, the first 30 shows and the same went back to South Carolina and it was like time to do that more of an angel show and I was like hey dude you know we're trying to get in touch with him and we can't get in touch with him and it was getting down to the wire so I called George last you know kind of last night I was like hey dude we got this show and it's the one of angel and he's going for us you know sure no problem so we did that reunion show with George that was a killer we, you know ended That's up awesome. blowing you know blowing the doors off the place just cause <laughs> you know everybody was still hyped up about it and then uh, that's awesome but then we, we had the two weeks off after that and then we tried to we had this guy Chase this friend of ours from Fort Myers we were gonna try out we had just played with him so we, we checked him out and uh he's like yeah 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 and he came out he came, drove up from Fort Myers to Tampa and he rehearsed with us we played you know played a few of the songs from Dark Purity I remember that and then uh, he was gonna come back up like another time or whatever alright cool and he's like calls me one day he's like dude no, I can't do the tour my girlfriend this my girlfriend that I can't do it can't do it and we, you know, we got like you know we're getting down to like four or five days before this tour is supposed to start <laughs> right <laughs> So he's like, well, check it out, man. I can't make the tour, but my guitar player here, he wants to audition. He can sing. He does backups for the band, and he can sing, and he wants to try out. You know, I was like, cool. Right. Yeah, 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 we'll check him out. So <laughs> that ended up being Sam Molina. And so Sam ended up coming in, and, like, he was, like, on the van ride to San Francisco where the first show was. He was, like, just writing the lyrics over and over, like, he's, you know, in trouble from, you know, at school or somewhere. He's just got to write lyrics over and over, just trying to remember them and trying to get them in his head, listening to the CD, trying to learn all the songs and stuff. Right. So, like, he had three days, basically, to, like, learn, like, ten songs, you know. Huh. And he did a good job. He did it. And then, uh, first show was killer. Second show was a little weak, um, just because it was in Corona, California, where we had played. We had some really, really good shows there before, and the people, like, were, you know, they were kind of paying attention and knew what was up, you know. And right. So they, you know, they could, you know, they could tell it wasn't like the normal monstrosity for them, you know. So right. That show was a little weaker. 
And uh, then the third show was in Phoenix, and that was the first time we played there. And we didn't really know anybody there, and so that we had a great show there. You know, it was like awesome. Yeah, um, it's kind of a surprise of the tour, to be honest. You know, it was, you know, Sam did great on that show. I remember it was like, probably the best he ever did. Wow. But anyway, we kept going. We did some more shows. Like we finished that tour, and then we ended up not long after that we got contacted to do a Mexican tour. You know, we did like three weeks in Mexico Damn. and how that worked was we ended up flying out to Mexico City and we had already been down there with uh, we played with Overkill in 93 that's fucking sick that was, that was at this outside bowling and I was huge but this time we were coming in and what we were doing we would stay in Mexico City during the week and then on the weekends we would drive to like these you know different cities in Mexico you know like different areas you know so that's interesting we come back to Mexico City and then we go back out and go back you know keep going back and forth right. we did that for like three weeks and you know cause not, you know pretty much no bands were really touring Mexico they would come in and play Mexico City or maybe they play Juarez or maybe they play Tijuana but nobody's like really getting out there and touring so that was kind of cool you know because right. We just got into some space, you know, some places where shows just didn't normally happen and playing some bigger events. Like we were playing an arena and down, you know, some little toy owned Mexico, you know. <laughs> That's cool. Before, you know? Wow. So that was cool, you know, that was a good time. And then uh, not long after that, um, we were, me and Sam and Tony pretty much wrote Rise to Power. Okay, yeah, that's what where I was headed. You've already got yeah. Love the cover art on Rise to Power. I think it's awesome. With that album, we uh, like a, we did the demo with Sam, and uh, like Sam wrote a lot of the lyrics, and but kind of at the last minute, we just we just felt that. Uh, you know, Avery was ready to. He wanted to come back. He was bugging us to come back, and we, we kind of wanted to keep some continuity if we could. You know, right. And so we're, you know, and ultimately Sam was more of a guitar player than a singer. Right. You know, because that's where he had come from, the band he was in when he was a guitar player. So we're like, check it out, dude. We want to bring Avery back, but we don't want to throw you to the curb either. We want to, you know, how do you feel about playing guitar? And he was you know, opened it and it was cool and it all worked out. So awesome. You know, he ended up learning the rest and right then we were getting these killer offers. We did Puerto Rico, we did uh, Venezuela and we did this huge Rock Hall Park Festival and that was like 80,000 people and we headlined and it was, it was, it was through a connection we had at this radio station in Bogota and Right. He ended up hooking us. Ended up hooking us up, and last minute, Tony had just gotten a call from Morton Angel to tour with them, and so he was all focused on that, you know. And right. Kind of, kind of was a bummer, man, because he blew us off for for to go jam with Trey in some warehouse instead of playing in front of eighty thousand people when he could have just easily done it. But whatever, it was all good. Damn. And so we ended up doing that as like a four piece with Sam alone on guitar, you know, without Tony. Wow. And then right after that, we kind of, that was when uh, we brought Mark English back. And Mark had been out of the circuit. He'd been, you know, he'd gotten out of playing guitar for a while. He'd got a regular job and 
kind of was living the normal life thing for a number of years, but then he had come back around and he was starting, we were jamming on some other projects together and had just been jamming and uh, when I needed him, I was like, hey, you want to do this? We got this tour coming up. We had to, um, we used this booking agent that Avery was connected with and uh, it turned into a total fiasco. Oh shit, what happened with that? Like doing, like it was the guy's fault, you know. Like he just did, he totally like just put the shows on sale and like totally expected, you know, to use the money from these shows to like just finance the whole tour instead of being, you know, actually, you know, connected and having it going on. And so we ended up getting over there and like we got four shows and like the bus driver's not getting paid, we're not getting paid. Fuck. And, and then the metal blade. Europe, the guy Michael Trader, who was our guy from way back, you know, like he was our, one of our main contacts from the early days of Nick the Blast. He had gone on and he was doing Metal Blade Europe, and that's how we ended up on Metal Blade as far as Rise to Power wow. for Europe. And but at the same time, there was some sort of like German translation issue going on, and just the way the way they did the press release, it just made it sound like it was our fault and like. You know, like that we can't draw any people, and that they're That's therefore, so you know, it's just you know that would have made me mad. <laughs> yeah, it, it more or less just you know they threw it all back on us. You know, it was just it was the booking agent's fault. You know, the, the tour didn't happen; it wasn't a success. You know, he didn't do posters. He didn't do it. You know, half the stuff that he was supposed to do. So there was no there was no PR for Rise to Power in Europe then. So, that kind of, so we did those four shows, and after that, it kind of exploded. Avery, at that point, was like his attitude was really pretty much negative towards the whole thing, and he was over it. He had started doing the tattoo business and was making good money doing that, and it just it more or less took his interest away from what we were doing. Right. Um, so kind of after that, we were... I kind of, you know, I just I was sort of like, whatever, I'm just going to do my own thing. I, I wrote... Bunch of songs for my Lavoisian project, which is my solo thing. Nice. I just kind of, kind of took the rest of 2004 off, you know, and just wrote these rock songs that I was working on, and Pretty just cool. focused on that for a while. And uh, wasn't too long after that, this guy uh, Dave from Canada. He was just a fan, and more or less, you know, kind of gave me a pep talk, you know, not not to just let it go, you know? Yeah. And, and right at the same time, this guy Brian Warner, who sings for Vital Remains now. He was actually our first was, interview. With he was our first guest on here, Lee. <laughs> yeah. Really? Right yeah. On. Well, Brian, um, did the European he tour. was kind of hanging around, and he's like, yeah, man, let me, you know, he was hanging out when we were practicing or something. He's like, let me sing Angel Venom with you real quick, you know?
that you know we had a good band, but Brian, you know, he was just new to new to the band, and um, we just I don't know. We felt his vocals weren't strong enough for what we were doing, and um, Mike Robichek was in the opening band, Vile. Oh yeah, and we were watching him every night. We were watching him every night kill it, you know, and just superpowers. And uh, so we ended up talking with him, and we, we weren't sure that we were going to use him either. But he was like an option, you know. We knew right. we wanted to get a different singer, so um, we ended up bringing in um, Mike Robichek for spiritual and. Right. Right after that, we all went, you know, we like had a super huge deadline to get it done so we could go to Mexico with Mardu. Awesome. Um, three, three shows with Mardu in a uh, thing called Centurial. Okay. Maybe, uh, oh, uh, cattle decapitation. Okay. So got that down and then right after that we did some more touring we just went somewhere else I forget where but um maybe Columbia or something nice and then we did the Vital Remains tour and that was the US we did a bunch of shows that was pretty cool and then we did some US tours after that and then since then we've been kind of um doing one-offs mostly fly-out dates you know festivals sure. so, you know, it's, it's a little different now with the dynamic in the band you know because Mike lives in New York um, Matt Barnes his second guitar player he's from Alabama wow um, our bass player lives in Daytona it's all over the so really so really it's me and Mark English you know right here jamming you know and then kind of me and him are the main engine of it sure and then everybody else kind of falls into place you know and it's a little rough to be honest you know it's uh, kind of a rough situation just because it's you know part of the part of the issue is that uh, it takes so much to get us together for to do these shows and, and whatever that we can only do shows and we're really going to be you know financially feasible sure which is a good thing and a bad thing you know because uh, you know it's like it just makes it where we're not doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing you know like shows are instead of uh, you know just playing every little photo venue from here to Idaho you know we're playing more select shows being more selective about it right try to get the money up a little bit you know get us paid because we've always been underpaid and um you know, we've always kind of struggled to keep up, and it's because, you know, the other bands, Cannibal Corpse, Morbid Angel, Obituary, they had strong labels through right. all those years, you know, and, yeah. you know, constantly putting out records every 18 months, you know, or whatever, you know, keeping a normal record cycle, whereas we've always kind of done things on our, on our own and yeah. kind of struggling to keep up on a business level due to the record labels, you know. Right. Spiritual apocalypse is... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lee. I'm sorry. But, but in the end, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I own all my masters except for Joe Boom, you know? And, uh, right. Even, the, you know, as far as, uh, you know, other bands, most bands can't say that. You know? I agree with that. I, th- 
I wanted to tell you, Spiritual Apocalypse is my favorite monstrosity record. Mine too. Which well, now the new one is, but, uh, you know. I can't. It's always, it's always a new album. That's the correct answer for me. You know, what's the best <laughs> monstrosity is a new album, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people overlook that record just because it's not Imperial Doom, you know. Well... Too many people are trapped in the past, I think, because I, I mean, your catalog is. It's. I love it so much. I've got the version I bought from you from Conquest, and then I bought the Metal Blade one just to have it. Yeah, really cool, man. Yeah, man. I uh, can we talk about a little bit just the recording process on that because I I really like this record. I think it's fucking fantastic. Did you see the DVD yet? I've got the DVD. I bought it from you. <laughs> yeah. And you've seen the studio. I have. Yes, I have. But I wanted to just kind of recap with you a little bit about it. I, I think the re- just your songwriting on this, I think it's great. Cool. With um, that one, uh, Divisions of Darkness was the first tune written. And that was some, you know, I, I usually like write a song like right off the bat, you know, right sure. after we kind right. of finish the album, the previous album, and then take our time from there, you know. So like, uh, so Divisions was kind of the first song written, and then from there, uh, let's see, Mark English had uh, Remnants, he had Apostles, and he had, uh, had one more. Um... Sacred Oblivion those three were kind of his songs and whereas uh, Bloodline Horror that was in, that was the one that was written first I'm sorry it wasn't Divisions it was Bloodline Horror that one's great too the first one we wrote and then but but it was kind of different it was uh, it didn't it was like other like Mark English kind of we ended up collaborating more on it you know we right. kind of tore it apart and deconstructed it a little bit and then uh, built it back up and turned it into what it is. But then, like, Spiritual, that's my song. Firestorm is my song. Divisions. Uh, in hum- uh, Human Race, that was mine. Triumph in Black, that's totally mine. Um, that one had a little more me, main, like, doing the main songwriting, yeah. It's a dark record, even for Monstrosity. It's it's dark shit. And uh, and then the new one um, is kind of like you know with Matt Barnes and Mark English. You know they they just you know the killer players, man. They, oh yeah, like yeah, you know, the, the, smoking with monsters. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. like, let them do what they do. So like so they kind of wrote a little more like Matt Barnes has like three or four songs. Mark English has three or four songs, and then I have three or four songs. Nice. So it's like kind of all like kind of like a more of an even thing writing wise this time, just because you know I let them do their thing. Whereas in the past I kind of had to like make up for like you know. Right. Well, it turned out fantastic. Yeah, you know, just kind of make it to make it all happen and to keep it going. I kind of ended up writing more out of necessity in the past. Whereas this album, I didn't have to do that as much. You know? Now the new record, you uh, do you have any kind of an ETA on that thing or? Yeah, it's kind of weird right now. We're like um, at this point, it's been so long. I've just kind of thrown up my hands with it, to be honest. Um, 
we uh, it's it's gonna look like it's gonna be ten years. I mean, because it was two thousand seven when we did spiritual apocalypse, right? And we started this album actually recording it. We started it in June of last year. Okay. So it's already been a year and a month, you know. Um, but no fault of mine. Right. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear well, it when it comes out. Is, uh, you know, we're like 98.99999% done. We're just making like a few little minor tweaks on it and then uh, the album cover stuff. Trying to get that wrapped up. So, Did you produce the record? Uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, it was done over at Audio Hammer. Oh, wow. Cool. Which is uh, my buddy Jason Zukov. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty cool. I love, you know, it's nice. It's, you know, more sound got bought by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra guys, so... Oh, uh, right. Not, 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 I didn't know. Anymore for us. And uh, so, basically, um, you know, I mean, I love Jason Zukov. I would go there every time, but he lives in Sanford, you know what I mean? So right. it's kind of nice having more sound here, and, and you know, more sounds So you did you did the production with Jason then? Yeah, yeah. As producer, like basically, you know, I make the final call as far as fuck yeah, know. man. Uh, it was a little different to be honest because you know, um, like with spiritual, for example, like we were in the studio and we we're listening on those speakers, you know what I mean. But at the same time, I'm you know, like well, during Dark Fury, that for that matter, like that was like 
we mix that album on a little boombox. Literally, you know, I brought it in from <laughs> damn uh, from home, and we plugged it in. You know, we were just because I'm so sick of you know now I, you know hearing what I'm hearing at the studio is not what I'm hearing at home and what I'm hearing everywhere yeah. else. Right, you know? right. And uh, so actually, we brought in my little. He's like, "Well, bring in the boombox." So we did, you know. And so like <laughs> just being able to, you know, to dial it in. So with this album, though, it's been a little different because we're doing it over the internet, you know. Right. Like, yeah. So you can hear exactly what you're going to hear, you know. We did the drum track. Yeah. So I'm like home listening to my stereo. It's very comfortable. And you know, I just basically come up with a list of changes, you know, for each song. Nice. You know, and then he goes back and does them and sends it back to us, and then we make a new list of changes and send it back. And hopefully, the list whittles down, whittles down, whittles down. And now we're down to like we got like just two little changes we're gonna do, and we're pretty much done. Right. You know, and he's already, you know, he's mastered, he's kind of like got it already through his mastering chain. So we're hearing it kind of how it's going to sound, you know. So I'm pretty happy with it. You Good, know, man. To me, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's got your seal of approval. Out. I'm sure it kicks ass. <laughs> it's going to hang right there with the rest of them, you know, to me. So. Oh, yeah. Now, band wise, is it the same lineup from Spiritual? The same lineup from Spiritual with Matt Barnes. Fuck yeah. So it's, uh, I play a. I wanted to tell you this real quick. I play a drinking game with the DVD. I watch that because it's pretty quick. So I'll sit there and just get shit hammered, and it's like during your whole set. <laughs> it's fun, man. It's it's cool. And I apologize. You know the the making of. I've watched, but I was so shit hammered. I just thought I'd touch on that <laughs> instead of trying to remember what I watched on there. But I, that, now the show I've watched. I think that DVD's fun, man. I've turned several people on to it, man. We actually did two shows that weekend, and, and Party Song was the night before, and, and oh yeah, phenomenal life, the phenomenal stage, uh, the huge crowd. I mean, people as far as you can see. Fuck yeah! And they videoed that with you know like sixteen cameras and this and that. And oh, that it's beautiful. It was, it was just too expensive, man. We just couldn't. <laughs> we just didn't. Want to pay all that money? Oh, I'm sure. And and the brutal assault was a nightmare. Actually, it was like really like waking up that morning at like five or six in the morning, like having to drive straight to the venue and go straight on stage. Christ, yeah, that's that's train wreck. So you know, and like just the equipment was all messed up, and like Mark was having issues. Like his like the sun was so bright that he couldn't see his tuner. Oh shit. So, like, he's up there struggling <laughs> about, you know. It's a nightmare. So, it was kind of more of a nightmare show, actually, but, uh, it's, it just seemed to be, like, it was a little, you know, more cost, uh, whatever, and, you know, made more sense financially to do it that way. Right. It's fun. I, I love that. Like I said, I've watched it several times. I, you know, it's... You, if you go on YouTube and you try to find, you know, show, he and I, Corey and I'll watch, you know, death metal shows we find on YouTube and All stuff. But, you know, time. some of them are just painful, though, you know. So I, I'm glad I have a monstrosity DVD that I don't have to go look the shit up and, you know, I can just throw it in and It's like a fuzzy to VHS it. rip. It's an actual right. you know, DVD. It's nice. <laughs> or some drunk assholes, like, running around with the camera, grabbing <laughs> some chick or something. I don't know what he's doing. You know, you the can't see the damn stage. But beer on his garage, you know. Now, there's a couple. Now, I have to say that there's some. You, you find some stuff on YouTube. I've never searched Monstrosity recently, though. I haven't. If there's anything you 
seen on there that... But no, I I love the DVD. I thought it was fun, man. I, I thought it was cool to have something like that. I was, you know, anytime you yeah, find it. was really cool, man, because like, just the other day, we, I, I ran and met this guy or whatever, some local guy from Clearwater, and he's totally not into metal at all. And he's like a totally normal guy, but he's like, he's mean, like somebody had told him about me, you know, he's like, she wants me, me, or I can play, and this and that, you know. Right. So, you know Ended up buying a DVD off me. Oh, that's cool. And, <laughs> and he, he took it back, and so, like, when he came back and gave me the review on it, you know, he's like, man, that was wow. He's like, wow. You know, he's just still blown away by it, but of course, you know, guess what he doesn't like about it, you know? Right. <laughs> I, hate the, I hate the vocals. What's with the vocals? Yeah. People are fucking, yeah. Yeah, totally, you know, just, you know, whatever. But, yeah, that's totally to be expected. So. Oh, sure. People always tell me, but like... It was, just, it was just very cool, and it, it made me realize how cool, uh, like, an uh, introduction piece that DVD really is. Cause, like, it you is. Know, you get yeah. to see the you get to see the, you know, the touring aspect, and so you get kind of, like, a well-rounded, like, you know, you get to see... Oh, hell yeah. And you're in front of that crowd, those people are fucking into it, and... Yeah. He's right. killing it on vocals, and you guys are killing it on the you know everything else. It's it's great. I'm seeing us travel through Chile and <laughs> yeah, that's uh, awesome. I have to let Corey watch it. We will get drunk and watch it. It's fun. Yeah, it's definitely a drunk and good time. Yeah. Uh, Lee, anything that you want to uh, say out there that you want to you know like tell people about your fans? Awesome. Nice. Right. He did work on spiritual. He did 
you know, we were working together on uh, the night stuff, and he right. ended up hooking up with the Tardy Brothers over in Europe, and he ended up bringing me into the Tardy Brothers project thing that he was working with. And that's how I ended up hooking up with the obituary tour I did with them in 2012. Oh, okay. I did all that stuff working with them. And so that, that was another cool thing where it was like, you know, obituary is such a different animal from monstrosity. And it was very cool being able to, like, get into their mind of where they're coming from, you know, as yeah. far as coming you know, for the more simplistic riffs and, and the more basic kind of song structures. And just, you know, it was very cool being able to, like, you know, because. I love slowly we rot, you know what I mean? Oh, but hell yeah. Of course. Some of the later stuff I kind of like lost touch with just because it, it seemed, you know, kind of more going a straightforward direction and I was kind of more into the crazy speed shit. Right. Yeah. As we are. Yeah, we're more yeah, speedy. More intense, more crazy, more technical, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. And so it was kind of cool being able to like really connect with the bitchway and like understand where they're coming from and get into that vibe and like really. Right. Yeah, man. You know, and uh, so I got to do those shows, and we did like four shows in Brazil, and a, like show in Ecuador, and like this huge show in Santiago, Chile, with like Testament and Anthrax, blah blah blah, just all these big bands, right. and blah blah blah, Megadeth, it's killer, whatever else, that was pretty cool, and uh, so that was a good experience, you know. But they needed somebody who could really play leads, you know, and I wasn't like I'm not that guy. We saw him back. Well, you'll definitely if you if you're interested, we'd love to have you back on when the new monstrosities out. Definitely, man. Awesome, sure. Lee. Thank you so much. This is an honor to have you on. Awesome, brother. Okay, man. I'll be in touch. Take care, man. Take care, man. Thanks, dude. Bye, Lee. Dubbing soon from Phantasm. Fury with a taste for blood, 
Nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine. Body by Plymouth. Soul by Satan. Rated R. Watch out for her soon at a theater near you. Thirteen years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the brutality of a faceless killer. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, directed by Toby Hooper. Now playing at a theater near you. For you. This is the shape of fear. You're not going to like it. This is the color of hell. What is it? And this is the power of the Prince of Darkness. From John Carpenter, director of Halloween. A vision of the most powerful evil of all. Prince of Darkness. Where are you? Rated R. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere.